welcome to Into the West, a Middle Earth SVG podcast where we discuss the competitive side of the game. My name is Charles. With me today, Richard, Ian, and a special guest, Ben. We are back after a break. Um, this is the beginning of a new season. I guess it's uh, season three now. And and uh, yeah, we have some pretty um, nice topics to share this time. So. Uh, for our main topic, we'll be going over uh, a tournament that we played at locally um, in uh, Vancouver, Canada, and it's called Clash on the Coast. It's our biggest event um, ever in, in our local group and also, I think, of Canada as well. So it was a really epic event. We had 52 players and um, it was 800 points and We'll each be sharing one of the games that we played at the tournament today. And then uh, in our open topic, we'll be discussing um, play styles versus points values. For our new season, we're trying out this new format. Um, so for the people who are listening uh, on audio, um, you can go on our YouTube channel as well. It, which might help a lot um, listening to our battle reports. We'll have uh, some visuals to go along with it. So let us know what you guys think of this format. If you guys think that, you know, our faces are better for audio, also let us know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, if you are uh, checking this podcast out on video, we'll also have our army list on the screen. So you don't necessarily have to go to our Facebook page to look it up, but uh, you know, it'll still be up on our Facebook page into the West podcast. If you are tuning in through audio and you want to follow along, our, all of our lists will be there. So to kick off the episode, we'll do a quick introduction uh, for Ben and uh, a few questions uh, before we uh, start talking about the event. So uh, Ben, welcome to the, the podcast and um, you've been a part of our local group for a long time. Um, how did you get into the hobby? Because I can't remember when you started uh, showing up our, at our tournaments. Yeah, so my brother and I got into the hobby when I believe he was eight and I was nine years old. So this was just at not the Return of the King edition, but the edition that came out after where they kind of consolidated the, the three movies into that one book uh, with the ring on it. Um, so yeah, my basically my brother uh, was out grocery shopping with our mom. I was home with my dad. And yeah, he stumbled across one of those Lord of the Rings magazines. It had Theodred in it on a horse. And we were big Lord of the Rings fans. And so my mom was like, cool, buy it for him. And he painted it up. And my mom, being uh, super into arts and crafts, uh, thought he did a phenomenal job painting it. And was like, oh, we got to get you more of these. And it kind of, yeah, several allowances and birthday money expenses later, we started playing regularly. So that was, yeah, that's how we got into it. Uh, and then uh, we lived in New Zealand at the time. Uh, and then 2014, we moved back to Canada. And then in 2000 and either at the end of 17 or beginning of 18, it was right before the new edition came out. Uh, one of the locals, who was it? Uh, I'm sure his name will come to me, but uh, one of the guys saw us playing. My brother and I, we just decided to meet for a game at Games Workshop. And he's like, hey, are you part of the West Coast Hobbits? We we're like, what? He's like, yeah, there's a tournament coming up. So we both joined the Facebook group and we both showed up at uh, that tournament. And my first game was against uh, Alex, one of the other regular uh, hosts on this podcast. 
and uh, yeah, I've don't haven't missed too many tournaments since. So I got a mini follow up question. Yeah. Does your uh, parents regret <laughs> introducing you guys to arts and crafts? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, I believe maybe if there were a few years following, uh, you know, our first fuse into the game, maybe they did because every single dollar of allowance and every single birthday money that uh, could have been saved for a first car definitely went into uh, models. But um, no, yeah, nowadays, uh, I think they're kind of relieved that all of the money that we spent as kids uh, wasn't just like, oh, they bought a bunch of toys and then they wasted their money. Like we're still, I still have all my models from when I was little and I still use them. So it's kind of, a, it's turned into more of a, an investment. So yeah, it's good. Good question. <laughs> so um, I think, I can't remember the last time that I went to a tournament and I didn't see Ben there. So I, I know you're a big fan of tournaments and competition. What, what do you like most about competitive gaming, uh, like the competitive side of MESBG? Yeah, I mean, I was that guy that growing up who uh, I never played single player games. I, I only played video games if it was with friends. And so I think that's, um, yeah, that's, I just love going and feeling like I'm learning something new, I'm contributing to something, and, you know, there's potentially prizes at the end that just keeps it so exciting for me. Uh, you know, even if the prizes are just a box of models that I could go and buy myself, like, like winning it at a tournament, I feel like I've earned something. And so it's, um, it's, it's super fun. So, and then plus, I don't know, there are lots of armies out there that my brother and I don't play. And so getting to see all these different paint styles, uh, all these different play styles, um, yeah, it's great. It's just a great social hobby. So, yeah. So over the years, I've seen you bring quite a variety of armies to events. Do you have, um, do you have a few favorites out of all the armies you own? Yeah, so my COVID project, and when I say COVID project, I didn't own a single model from this list, not one. And I started a Azog's Legion list. It was one I always wanted to do. Uh, and it went from zero models to, I believe I now own um, both versions of Azog. So the, the stock foot and mounted plus the armored version. I have Bulg, I have 48 Gundabad Orcs. I got four trolls, a brute, a couple of ogres, a couple of bats. Pretty much every model they've made, I've got multiple of. So uh, that army, it not only is my biggest money sink, but it is my most fun to play. It's just, it's a no nonsense. You don't sit back and shoot. You don't have these casters. It's just, you run up to the enemy and you just slap them in the face as hard as you can and you either die or they die. And that's that's game. Um, and so yeah, that's, that's definitely my favorite army. Um, the army that I haven't played much in the last couple of years, but it's still one of my favorites. Um, and actually that's how I got introduced to you guys was, uh, the fiefdoms. That was what you guys saw me play. I think I brought that to the first few tournaments. So, uh, that would be my other probably favorite list. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, really happy to have you on this episode and, um, looking forward to talking about the tournament. Thank you. Yeah, and just to add in, uh, Ben and his brother Nick, um, I always feel like it's, you know, the Into the West podcast, you know, you two, and then, you know, sometimes like, you know, the Hammonds in Seattle, like, we're just the main ones battling it out uh, for podium spots on the West Coast. So if 
any of the listeners come to our tournaments, like, oh! hey, I, I said it's the like, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but yeah, um, so it, you're definitely part of like the um, the competitive group here. Um, it's just I think you and your brother haven't traveled outside our uh, regional uh, tournaments as of yet. Yeah, no, we're. I think yeah, the the local consensus group is uh, there's always either Ian, a Lynn, or a Lacton on the podium, at least one. And uh, I think at Toss Your Capers, uh, game one was uh, my brother against Charles and uh, myself against Richard. And uh, that was funny because the way we all saw it was, oh, <laughs> we're knocking two of us out of the round round one. So that's good. Yeah, hopefully um, <clears throat> you or Nick will will see one of you or both of you uh, come on one of our trips to Nova Open or something like that. That'd be fun. I so badly want to do that. Portland, I, I am I am driving to Portland for sure. So, all right. So <coughs> let's jump into our main topic today, <clears throat> where we'll talk about um, the the grand tournament we had uh, about a few weeks ago, Clash on the Coast. So. We'll each talk about one of the games, but before we jump into the games that we selected, um, how how did we feel about this overall tournament? I mean, we've never had we've never had an event even half as big as this uh, in Vancouver, and uh, it just seems like you know it it, it feels really um, nice to not have to get a get on a plane and fly to the other side of the continent to uh, to compete in like a large tournament um it was really exciting for me i totally agree i like you guys obviously fly and, and participate a lot in the uh i'd say international but uh ian flew to australia uh, and then you guys fly over to the west coast or the east coast sorry which is uh awesome i haven't been there so yeah it's definitely i've, I've only experienced you know 20 something uh player tournaments so being able to experience a 50 plus player tournament was it was so cool. So, and you're right. I I was a 45 minute drive for me. So <laughs> it's great. I I well yeah, driving 20 minutes and going to a tournament that big was sick. That was the best thing. <laughs> but ah, just the spectacle. You kind of forget like the spectacle of having that many people playing like one game in like a big room like that if you don't go to it for a while. So it's like yeah, it's really excited, and I want to play more tournaments again now. So very very exciting stuff. Also, Def to clarify, I didn't fly to Australia just to play in a tournament. I was going to Australia, and I made sure I was going to play in a tournament there because, you know, go to Australia. There's people there, but it wasn't specifically for that. That's fair. And I think your your sentiments, from what I've seen, uh, so many people left that tournament on this high. They were like, I can't wait for the next one. So, yeah. And like a lot of buzz too in a lot of the smaller communities that are kind of adjacent to us now like the few people who came from there are like okay we're getting into this we're making more events you guys got to come down here it's really exciting totally even pat in uh portland he's now got a gt happening it's a 40 player limit in february uh it sounds like they're gonna do one in seattle probably in uh may or june sometime so the fact that one year we're probably going to see three 40 plus person tournaments is uh, is really cool. 
Um, even I, I'm running a doubles tournament come uh, in a couple weeks. And I'll be honest, when when I talked to you guys and talked to Max, and I was like, hey, like, let's, let's you know, I, I want to host a tournament. Let's see what we can do. Oh, what do you got, you know, oh, Ben, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, we're going to do doubles. And it was like crickets. They're like, that's going to be a hard tournament to sell, right? Like, people don't play uh, doubles. Uh, and sure enough, like, I had a few people message me that they were interested. As soon as we had the GT, uh, in a week and a half, I sold all 24 tickets. <laughs> so that, uh, that yeah, I think it was a uh, blessing being able to ride off of the, the, the hype from that GT, so. Okay, well, um, Ben, would you like to do the honors to and go over your game first? I'd love to, yeah. So let me just share my screen here. Just the, okay. Uh, I'll just go over, I guess, uh, orally what the, the list was. So um, I was running Azog's Legion. That was my, yeah, uh, as I mentioned, it's it's my go-to list. I enjoy playing it the most, but um, I haven't had a lot of success in tournaments with it. So this was, this was my debut. I was going to see what we could do. Uh, so uh, my leader was Azog on the White Warg stock, uh, no armor, no flail. Um, I also had Bolg uh, on a fell warg with a bow, and then uh, they were accompanied by a total of uh, one ogre, two warbats, one gundabat orc with a shield and a banner, 15 gundabat orcs with shields, and 14 gundabats with spears. The philosophy of my list was I had a big meat shield of d6 uh, followed up by spears and then one banner, and the two warbats for kind of support, they were my closest I could get to having shooting in this list. Uh, so they could go and tag objectives, they could go and jump behind the enemy list and, um, you know, snipe banners or uh, pull heroes um, and spearmen off of big fights, things like that. Uh, so my sort of ranged uh, units. And then I had one ogre, which I didn't really use much in fighting. He was more of a utility. Uh, yeah, just um, kind of, yeah, just a, just a big, a big scary thing that usually warded uh, enemies off of objectives and things like that. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the, like I said, the utility list was just a big meat shield, stand there, die slowly. Meanwhile, Azlog and Bull go and crunch as many units as possible. Uh, the list worked really well in the tournament. Uh, I won four out of my five games, so I had uh, three minor wins, one major win, and one major loss. Uh, I finished 10th due to the major loss and three minor wins. Uh, I placed in the bottom of all the people with four wins. <laughs> But it, um, yeah, I was pretty happy with four wins and one loss. I think that was a pretty good uh, win ratio for the list. Uh, the game I'm going to talk about was uh, the fifth game. It was the last game I played. Um, I can't remember my opponent's name. And if my opponent listens to this podcast, I'm so sorry. Oh, actually, I do remember his name. His name was Ian. Uh, he's from the Seattle group, I believe. Yeah, hard to forget that name. Uh, he was running Thranduil's Halls, so he had Thranduil uh, on foot, oh no, sorry, Thranduil on the Elk um, with the sword. I do not believe he had the crown. Uh, then he had Turiel with a bow and a palace guard captain with a shield. Uh, supporting that army was eight rangers of Mirkwood. He had, I can't remember, somewhere between six and eight armored, uh, Mirkwood armored elves with shields, and then he had like 12 to 14 palace guards with spears and shields. So the philosophy of his list was some shooting support from Turiel and Rangers, a meat shield of D6 elves in the front, tons of palace guards supporting, plus the captain, and then with Thrad and Jewels uh, bonuses, you're getting plus one to wound and you're getting a fight six shield wall. 
Uh, so I can imagine this was a very solid list against most, um, you know, most heroes would have had to consider striking uh, against fight six. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely a very solid, um, a very scary list to charge at. Uh, I was between 38 and 40 models. So I was going in on the back foot because uh, it was he, he outnumbered me and his troops were a lot better than mine. Uh, the only advantage, oh, and I was a little scared of Thranduil because the advantage I had in all my games was having two beat stick heroes. I had Bolg and Azog both with fight seven. Everyone had to strike to fight my big heroes. Uh, but Thranduil did not. Thranduil had the Elven Blade and the matched fight value. So that was the only game that I had to consider that. Um, I had 30, yeah, so 36 models. So he outnumbered me by a few. Uh, the game was Assassination. Uh, I decided I originally, I wrote down Palace Guard Captain because it'd be the easiest to kill, but I crossed it out because I thought it's pretty obvious. It's the easiest thing to kill, right? Two wounds, one fate, just a captain. Can't strike or call a defense or anything. He's probably just going to keep the captain back the entire game. So I picked Toriel because I figured he probably would guess it wouldn't be Toriel and keep her closer to the fight. Uh, this was a big mistake because he put his palace guard captain on his front line and fought him shoulder to shoulder with the rest of his army. And third turn of the game, Bulk killed him in one turn of combat. And Bulk had to be my assassin uh, because uh, Azog was my leader. I guess I could have picked the white warg, but um, I would have had to dismount Azog to get that kill. So I would have had seven kills, seven points on the board third turn of the game had I stuck with my original choice. So that was my first blunder. The second uh, thing, mistake I made um, was I didn't consider that he would pick the white warg. So if you can see on the screen here, uh, you guys are good, you can see it, right? Cool. Uh, so I had, <coughs> let's find a color. Okay, cool. So um, up top here, uh, this was where Azog, the banner, and the first group was. So I had, um, yeah, the bats, the ogre, my leader, and the banners. So this was kind of my main force. And at the bottom here, I had um, Bolg and the the rest of my troops. So he had about 15 troops. He had the, uh, yeah, anyways. The, the rangers were all positioned up in the forest. So I figured I have the forest support and he has to, he's kind of got his army awkwardly in the way because this was the, where the rest of the bulk of his army was. And then Thrandall was here at the back. So I figured, okay, Bolg's safe. He's not going to be able to shoot Bolg to death early game. It turned out he had chosen the Warg as his target. And the first turn of the game, Turiel called a heroic accuracy and they fired all nine shots. They put two wounds on the Warg and two wounds on Bolg. I faded, I put both of the fate points into the Warg. Azog had one wound left for the rest of the game. So right off the bat, he had a point for wounding my leader. I had almost lost my what I now knew was his target. Uh, and it was the first turn of the game. So I was close to writing off the game right away. Uh, eventually, I moved uh, both my armies in as quickly as possible. I kept, uh, I basically ran Azog right into the front lines. I fortunately lost priority, so he had to make his move first. Uh, and for some reason, even though he had the shooting advantage, he actually pushed his, uh, his line kind of straight up. Um, I'm sure he had some pretty good sound tactics for it. I would not have done that because Azog was unable to charge and then not take any more shots. Uh, but anyways, that, that happened. Um, and then, yeah, Bull kind of just ran through uh, in between my soldiers and hit his front line as well. Um, and then, yeah, my army kind of just did what it was supposed to do. I just 
stomped. Yeah, I, I think Bull got to 15 kills that game. Uh, the fight six is great, but against a fight seven hero, it's no different than fight two. Uh, Bull killed probably seven or eight of his flank, killed his captain, and then eventually ran around the back and started stomping on the back. Up here, uh, I yeah, I essentially just ran uh, Azog and his list into the flank here. The Rangers uh, sat back for a couple turns, just took a couple pot shots in, some, in the ways. Um, I eventually hit them with my bats. I was only able to get one bat at a time in there because he had one sentinel that I forgot to mention was in his list. And it, I, I think I failed every courage test with my bats that he had done to make it run away. Uh, eventually, as the game wore on, uh, I was pretty conservative with Azlog because I couldn't afford him to lose a fight. Um, eventually, Thranduil sort of wiggled his way through and uh, yeah, came out to join the fight. Uh, and then two things happened. So one, the first thing that happened was there was a lone orc that had kind of fought his way in with a spear uh, into the enemy lines. Turiel charged the orc, lost the fight. The orc wounded Turiel, and then he proceeded to roll two ones and a two for his three fate rolls. So she took a wound. I had points on the board because of one orc with a spearman. Uh, so then I felt better. I felt, okay, that first turn of ridiculous shooting is justified. Uh, Thranduil then proceeded to charge into one orc and Azog. Uh, Azog, or I managed to pull Thranduil out of the fight by, um, sorry, he didn't charge. He charged Azog with a, a, a ranger and Thranduil. And then I charged Thranduil with, a, with an orc. So pulled Azog, or pulled Thranduil out of the fight, Azog beat his opponent, etc. But then the following turn, Thranduil charged in again uh, and killed the White Warg. Yeah, I lost the fight. I was out of my lost the White Warg. Azlog survived. So he had his kill. It wasn't with his assassin, but I was, yeah, officially down five points. Uh, the following turn, I pinned Turiel. I, I think I took two attempts at bats, the bats flying over to, to take hits at Turiel. I was unsuccessful. Um, so I think it was one or two turns later, I pinned her with an orc, and then I charged with my ogre at an elf, won the fight through the elf at Turiel, and, took a, and she took a wound and died. So we both had our targets. My leader was wounded, his leader was not. So it was, uh, yeah, we were kind of on that, oh great, it's, uh, I'm losing again, but at least I'm not losing by as much as I, I was. Uh, Bulg was a monster and just kept killing. I eventually broke him. And uh, and then the game ended a couple turns later. And I think I was one or two models away from breaking. So I ended up winning the game. I believe that's five each for the, let's see, five for killing the target. I had, he had, uh, he did kill. Oh no, he didn't kill Azog. He wounded Azog, so he got one for that. And then I got three for breaking him. So I was eight points to six. I ended up winning the game. Uh, so yeah, the reason I picked this game, I thought it was the most interesting. and It was the one that I was the most stressed about the entire, uh, yeah, for, for all my games throughout the whole tournament. Um, I was even more stressed in the game that I lost. Because uh, when I, the game that I lost very early on, I knew I was going to lose. So they kind of accepted it. Um, yeah, I, I learned very quickly, um, yeah, heroic accuracy, is actually a decent heroic action. <laughs> I never used it, 
but uh, being able to shoot through three rows of orcs and put two wounds on a, a or four wounds essentially on a big hero uh, is not to be underestimated. Um, I, I don't know if I learned a lesson on whether or not to pick the easy target. I, I think I just I was just unlucky. Uh, he, he decided he I guess he decided I wasn't going to use uh, I wasn't going to target his palace guard captain, so he threw him on the front lines. But um, yeah, uh, other than that though, the army worked exactly the way I thought it would. It was it was just Azog and Bolg getting tons of kills. Uh, first turn of the game, and this happened three out of my five games. The first turn of the game. Uh, I was at eight kills, and my opponent was at either zero or one, uh, because both heroes hit two models. They both hero could combat it into two more and kill those guys. So it was, yeah, it was a it was just a uh, stomping kind of list. Um, so yeah, that's essentially how the game went. Um, yeah, any questions from uh, from you guys from the panel? <laughs> great, great win. Uh, I think you made some pretty good calls and <clears throat> that hurl at the end, I think was probably um, the ogre won you over with that hurl. <laughs> yeah, did almost I, nothing I just, the entire tournament wins my last game. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. It's awesome whenever a, a monster pays off, especially like a non-hero monster, because um, a lot of the times uh, they, they, they're pretty disappointing uh, to me. Um, I just want to clarify though, in the FAQ, um, when you're shooting at a cavalry, you actually cannot use heroic accuracy to hit the mount. So um, I I guess it may have made a difference. It may not have. He may have wounded the white warg later on in the game, but um, he sh he wouldn't have been able to, like all the shots would have gone into uh, Azog. Uh, or, yeah. or he would have to roll 50-50. Um, yeah, so no, I'm glad you called that out to clarify. Um, he, we, he, we did agree that he wouldn't be re-rolling on the the rider amount. Uh, the third in the way was actually the banner. So I had two rows of orcs and then a banner. So yeah, it's the hero accuracy didn't make the difference for specifically targeting the warg. It did make uh -oh. the difference that he managed to get five shots through three rows of models. <laughs> yeah, good call out though. Uh, I, I, th I think you did pretty well because he, uh, your model count is a little bit on the low side, right? So it was under 40. Uh, yeah, I, I said 36 originally. It was 35, I remember now. It was 35. Yeah, so um, that's pretty low against like a, an elite elven force. So I think that you um, you, you did pretty well there because this certainly was not like, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say it's a great matchup for you. Um, I, I don't see that you have a Warhorn in your list. So just going to your list, like he, his War of Dismay, um, I mean, did you just have like how how was your courage rolling against the war of dismay? Because that's that must have been quite difficult for you. Uh, it was not good. Yeah, it was not good at all. Uh, I got lucky though that on um, from memory, um, the the flank that Bolg was on, uh, because as I'm sure you saw in the diagram, uh, Thranduil like Azog was killing so many elves a turn, uh, so Thranduil eventually came from behind the army. To go in and deal with him. So I put him on the far right side of the board. So the entire left side of the board uh, was fair game. So as uh, uh, Bulk and his entire army didn't have to deal with it for most of the game. Okay. Um, if I was running this list and I was not going for a Warhorn, I definitely would take some Berserkers because I would be so worried about charging like a terrifying army. 
But then on the other hand, your numbers would be hit even harder because berserkers are 15 points each. So um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would have swapped out in order to put in berserkers. Um, but I think as the list is, it's it's I think it's pretty solid. I just think that if it was me, I would have a few berserkers or try to get the warhorn in and then maybe maybe go down to like 30 maybe 33 or 32 models. Um, uh, but other than that, I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great list. And with two um, of some of the biggest heroes in the game, that's, uh, you know, it's it, assassination is a great scenario for you. So um, for the rating for the list, I'll give it a hero valor. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll comment on your list. Um, I don't know if you should thank Charles about the valor. Um, I think I think he's um, underestimating it a little bit. Um, I've always wanted to build it as Ogs Legion list, and I think this is how I would build it. Um, I think there's honestly not much I would change here because um, you do have a very set strategy. I, I realize, you know, especially at 800 points, there's a lot of terror models, but one of my favorite strategies is to go, um, you know, 10 can warriors, just their role is to not die. Who cares if they're fighting or not? Like you actually want to be avoiding fights as much as, pos as, much as possible sometimes. And you want to be, um, you know, getting in there with your, with your uh, hero models, which, you know, like you said in that game, Bolg just carved up a whole flank, um, you know, and he carried you. And if they stop one of your heroes, the other one is just going to consistently do work. So um, I think it's really, really hard to stop. And I, I would say it's quite, uh, you know, min-maxed in the sense that you pretty much have um, the most models you could bring without bringing another hero. Um, and if you do bring another hero, you have to drop an ogre, and then you you would only have like maybe a couple more guys because the captain is not cheap. So I don't know. Um, there's no real way to kind of um, get your numbers up efficiently into the 40s. I feel like so. Um, and I mean, ogre is. Um, I know in the monsters episode we touched on him, but he's probably one of the more viable non-hero monsters. Uh, two war bats, you know, flying is always good. So, um, yeah, I, I, and I've talked to you about your um, one loss, and I do think that was, uh, you know, a bit unlucky and just the circumstance of that scenario. So, I very much easily think you could have podiumed in even um, a big tournament like that. I, I mean, even getting tenth and going four and one. Um, at a 50-plus person tournament shows what you can do. So um, I got to give it a hero legend. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the the ogre... Oh, sorry, uh, Charles? No, I was just going to say... I was just going to... I was just a little bit surprised. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, Why? Because there's no shooting? <laughs> <laughs> because, I'm surprised. I don't know. I, I think, I think ar armor, heavy armor on Nazog is pretty important. And... And I just thought of this, but it, Richard brought up like a good point about it hard to go up above 40, but I think you can. You just need to take mercenaries. 
um, which which is another list, right? It's not like a death ball list. That's that's more of a mo mobility list. But um, I, I I just like I think if Azog had the heavy armor, I would maybe think okay. About I, I mean I mean I didn't realize that, but I guess maybe I would have swapped Bulk's felt or the bow, and maybe change up the points a little bit, get mm -hmm. them the. That, but that's such a minor um, yeah. change. Um, but yeah, I agree with the heavy armor. I, I agree. I think I, the, to be honest, the only time the heavy armor made any difference, because Azog took wounds in two games. Uh, sorry, in three games. Two of them were against monsters, so they rendered him anyways. Didn't matter. Um, the bows, he rolled one six and a five to wound him. That was the only damage he took. So. Like I agree, tactically it would have been a difference. It made a difference of one wound over the whole tournament. So I didn't, I didn't end the tournament being like, oh, that's one thing I should have changed. But um, yeah, I, I agree with that logic. Um, yeah, I can see where you're going. Uh, Richard, of course, knows my original version of this list had only it didn't have Azog. It actually had Mercs, and I think it was like a 52 model list or something. Uh, I went through some revisions, but uh, yeah, I decided having two might like heavy heroes, like one of them with six might was a better investment for the tournament. Uh, the my kind of defending the the courage thing. Um, I agree the the uh, they the berserkers definitely would have made a huge difference because if you actually look at my list, both my heroes are courage five, the ogre, the orcs, and the bats. Every single model is courage three. My first game was against Angmar. <laughs> And I really noticed the, uh, like, I failed almost all my courage tests. Bulg and Azog broke my opponent. My orcs didn't do squat, but Bulg and Azog broke the Angmar list. And the only reason I was able to shut down his big heroes, because both my heroes died by the end of the game, but he was broken and I had models all over the battlefield. Uh, so he, it was command the battlefield. So he, he lost, uh, I, I won that eight to one. The reason, or eight to two, I think. But the reason that um, I was able to stop his heroes was because of my ogre. Because uh, he, like, first turn of the game, he charged the Witch King of Fell Beast into two uh, Gundabad Orcs. And then in my move phase, I moved the Ogre on top of the two Gundabad Orcs. And if the Ogre finishes his move on top of um, Orcs, they get removed as casualties. So I didn't charge the Witch King. I just killed the two guys that he was going to kill anyways. And the Witch King just sat there on his butt for a turn doing nothing. And then the next turn, he did the same thing again. So I think uh, the Ogre in that way just stalled... Uh, he stole the Witch King for five turns, uh, twice because I killed my models, and then it took the Witch King three turns to kill him. So, it I had I had contingencies, but you are right. The courage. It didn't stop me from winning the game. It just it, it, it meant I had to play the game differently. Um, is this the same list that we we that I had we had a practice game? Yeah. With? I uh, still don't like the lack of shields on the back line. <laughs> That's that's still, yeah. But I it's I'm so conflicted right now because like on the one hand, you get the shenanigans because you have the two bats and you have the ogre, which is nice. You still have like reasonable numbers considering the big heroes. I still think I'm a fortitude. You getting the whole range today? Yeah, I like your courage. It's not great, but for evil, Courage 3 on everything actually isn't that bad, considering they're orcs. It's not, it's not That's great. Fair. It's not good, but it's not, like, terrible. But it's the same as an Urukai list. Yeah, and then if you... 
if you try to swap out, like, I mean, you could get rid of the ogre and get a warhorn and then shields on a whole bunch of guys. I don't know if that's better. If you're expecting a lot more terror, maybe. But then, like you said, the ogre actually made some pretty good plays for you. And he adds in, like, that third threat to, like, help you guys. So, I don't know. Yeah, the cool thing about the game, there's so many ways to build a list. <laughs> but yeah, like I think if you are gonna build the, the like the Azog's Legion with both the big heroes at 800, this is kind of like you go this way or you go the way that Charles said, like with with mercenaries is like your your only other shenanigans. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess the the only other thing I can say is I I can see we're going with the shields. It, the shields would have added more to my my strat like my strategy of just having. A line of troops that just stood there and the whole goal was just to die slowly while my heroes did all the work um i had a game against the dunlanding legendary legion i had 35 models against 52 and it was an objective it was a breakthrough so i was immediately i was like oh this game's done like i can't kill 52 models and take more objectives than them uh, by turn three i had killed 23 models uh azog and bull combined killed they did eight models first turn they did eight models the second turn and then the third turn they did like another four or five so yeah they killed almost 20 of the 23 in three turns um, and then the war batch just flew and took the objectives last turn when i won the game so it, it was able to do what it needed to do but yeah, the heroes i think i learned from your game because i i just so you guys know i did a practice game against ian and i lost really badly like 10 to 1 um, and what Ian did was, or what I did was I charged Ian's heroes. I was like, oh, no problem. Azog can nuke Rumel, Bull can nuke um, Kelleborn. And they ended up just stalling my heroes for like seven turns and your army killed the rest of my army. So I learned from that game and the rest of the tournament, I ignored all the enemy heroes. I just kept feeding them troops and I, I didn't charge for like at least the first five turns even once uh, a hero that had a striker defense because I learned from your game that that was uh, that was how I was going to lose. <laughs> I will give you props, though. I think on like to quote unquote reading the meta in this it, for this event because like I, I remember you saying the reason you decided on this list is because you played it and you finally beat the Dragon Emperor Legendary Legion. <laughs> yeah, and I think everybody was kind of worried about that one showing up a whole lot. I mean, I don't think two of the two lists were out there with it, but. It was a genuine fear that there's going to be a lot of those and a lot of, like, Assault on Lothlorien. So it, that makes sense. And also, not a lot of, like, big magic casters besides Ringwraiths, which is what can shut down your heroes. So you're not as worried about them just being nuked for, like, most of the game. And it, I think, yeah, it showed in all your games, right? You just ran through everybody with the two heroes, so. I finished three games in less than an hour. One game in an hour and 15, and the other one in an hour and a half. So it's... There's a glass cannon army. It either kills the opponent really quickly or it, or it dies quickly. But either way, I never timed out. <laughs> yeah. Which is, that's good though, because I mean, I, I struggle with that. So <laughs> maybe I should run this list. Yeah. All right. Um, anyone want to go next? Preference? Uh, yeah, I can go. Um share my screen here let me know when you guys can see yep yep okay so um since alexander is not here today um i guess i will be uh 
reviewing his list as well since uh, we ended up playing each other um, in game four, Lords of Battle. Um, one of the rare times I got to play Alexander. Um, so I'll start with my list. Um, yes, I did end up playing Assault on Lothlorien. You know, I joined the dark side. Uh. <laughs> but in my defense, this is one of the only times that I've played a thematic list, right, guys? Rock you rock. always say you're playing thematic lists. <laughs> I'll give it to you. This was the first time I haven't seen you run out of Yellow Alliance, and I think ever. <laughs> thematic filth. Yeah. yeah. So, in theory, this is better. Anyways. You, uh, your first two lists was like Last Alliance, and then Thranduil's Halls and Iron Hills. Yes, but then that was when I was learning the game. <laughs> um, okay, so my leader is Druzeg, uh, leading one Bat Swarm, two Goblins with Shield, uh, one with Spear, five with Bow, four Prowlers, uh, and two Giant Spiders. Asherak leading a very similar Warband, war uh, two Goblins with Shield, one with Spear, five with Bow, Four Prowlers, two Spiders, one Marauder. The Goblin Shaman, um, two with Shield, one with Spear, five with Bow, four Prowlers. Uh, Musger with five Orcs with Spear, uh, one with Shield, Spear, Banner, one Bat Swarm, and a Wild War Chief with two Wargs. Um, total of 56 models, uh, 29 to break, eight might, uh, 17 shots, and 12 throwing weapons. I know um, there's been some discussions um, in the competitive scene how to run this Legion. Like we all know it's a really strong Legion right now. Um, I tried uh, multiple variants. Um, one which was um, without the Wild War Chief mostly and um, a lot more spiders and a few more prowlers. So just, um, I guess, better troop quality. And I found that it was very, very strong, but it it wasn't it didn't really fit my playstyle as much um, as the Wild War Chief version. Plus, it felt like the Wild War Chief uh, version with the hero combats kind of um, added another element uh, to my strategy. Um, I think talking and practicing with Ian, um, it felt like without the Wild War Chief. It might be a on paper stronger list with like less more well-rounded, with less weaknesses. But um, all your shenanigans are in the move phase. All your casting, all a lot of your throwing weapons, um, you know, all your like movement. And by the time uh, combat rolls around, you have no fighters. So people can just hear a combat as they want, and you know the ball is back in their court. Um, and what I like about the Wild War Chief was that, you know, there's this one thing, especially if you enrage it, they got something that they got to watch out for. Um, but yeah, uh, again, um, there were five assault lists. <laughs> so definitely the most popular one at this tournament. Uh, we all ran pretty similar. There was a couple different ones. Uh, I played a mirror matchup with like, the guy went like 11 Marauders. Um, was It was a nightmare to play. But anyways, we're talking about this game. Um, 
so I guess before I go on to Alexander's list, um, what do you guys have any thoughts about this? I mean, we've all talked about this Legion's death. <laughs> I mean, like, like, like you said, we had a lot of conversations beforehand. And I don't know, I guess, spoilers for the game I'm going to play. I basically played this list twice at the event, and it is, like, really solid with the, the White Ward. And I, I still think there's maybe a, a shout-out for the... Um, the build with the extra spiders as opposed to the, the white war chief but i do agree that is probably the better the most well-rounded way to run this um with the chief because then you still like you said you still have some agency in the combat phase with being able to call heroic combats and you know quote unquote the bold enemy heroes um yeah so this, this is probably the best way and then obviously i mean it's 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 kind of hard to run this legion when it's in like a capable player's hands and not have it be a hero of legend list so <laughs> definitely yeah. gotta give it to you because you, you are super skilled so yeah you, you definitely did very well with this list um yeah i i never i didn't play you in the tournament but I had the unfortunate pleasure of playing you with an earlier version of my list that had prowlers in it uh, i lost 12 to 1 so uh it, it definitely hit pretty hard and it was my first time properly i think playing against uh, the assault list, so it had a lot of just like you know, I didn't see the, you know the 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 uh, spider run through my list and like just jump right into combat with Bolg or things like that. Like it was so it had so many cool tools. Um, I loved it. You included the wild war chieftain. I know this was something we talked about before because uh, as cool as the spiders were, I I really do believe you need something to like you need something to be able to hit something to be able to rack up like four kills a turn minimum because uh, if you don't have that I don't know like I think I think if you were to face like a, you know a, a 40 or 50 model dwarf list your troops are going to kill it very slowly but if you have one thing that can reliably just stomp on a few a turn um, it'll help you keep up with them so uh, the other thing I really liked is uh, um, I know you had uh, a slightly different hero mix before I love that you have the shaman uh, I think Kind of one of the criticisms uh, some of you guys had on my list was low courage. Uh, the shaman completely neuters that problem, right? So you have Druzeg, who's a shaman to your war beasts or your 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 bats and spiders, and then you have a goblin shaman that covers the rest of your army. So I think you had, I think it was a perfect list. You had the heavy hitters, you had contingencies for your weaknesses. So yeah. That was actually a suggestion um, from you, uh, which I really appreciated because I think I ran the Goblin Captain earlier. Um, right. But I guess it, it, it came down to the uh, yeah Shaman or the Captain, but I think at 800 with this particular list, um, the, the um, courage is just too important, especially um, if you break like you can't rely on your heroes to stay like i know i know like you know Druzeg and ashrak have and musker have will but you're spending that all game long if you're playing correctly so you know they they all only have like courage for um max you know even the wild war chief as well i believe so um none of my heroes you can really rely on sticking around if you end up breaking so um and and the thing is with uh, marauders, spiders, uh, bats, um, I tend to find I have enough movement um, that the captain 
and, and you know, unfortunately, the way it plays is a very castle list too. So unless it's a very like objective driven game, I'm really happy to sit back and shoot. So that also eliminates a bunch of marching that I potentially need to do. The other thing with the shaman is is because you get the reroll. Like I always thought it was one dice, and I didn't find this out until the event. But you can reroll as many dice as you want to when you cast, which is I think ridiculous. But I'll move past it. It makes the transfix on the regular shaman quite reliable. Wait, wait, wait. So if you roll two dice, you can. Why did I not know this? Yeah, I'm. I swear that's what it says. Was I, I, I playing with a handicap? <clears throat> Well, okay. no, you were playing with an appropriate nerf. Okay, let me, hold on, give me a sec. I'll pull out the book <laughs> in a minute when somebody else is talking. I, I just ran like, matches. <laughs> Richard's like, I only came third. I could have come second or first. It's gross, man. It's gross. Like, I mean, no, no, the list is totally fair and balanced. What am I talking about? Oh, that's great. Yes, so then, yes. Uh, yes, about that third, though. Um, I will say, um, just to wrap it up, I, I ended up going undefeated in this tournament but because uh, we used the old um, system for calculating points um, it was uh, v major vps were four points and then minor were three and then draws two and then um, one and zero for major and minor loss um, i had um, mostly minor wins um, i think i only had one major win um, and then four minor wins so yeah so even though I didn't drop a game, I ended up third. That's uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Undefeated, not finished, and and the guy who finished first did lose a game. So uh, I think yeah. the meme that you posted the the, the day after the tournament of uh, a, a confused looking man trying to figure out how he didn't win a tournament with a uh, five zero. <laughs> I agree. I think that was uh... <laughs> good. So Ben, do you have a rating for this list? I think I can guess what it is. Uh, I I believe that this is a hero of legends. Uh, it the, the only yeah actually yeah I can't think of any any really good weaknesses to the list. I think you had all your bases covered. So yeah, hero of legends. Uh, if you're speaking, Ian, you're uh, on mute. <laughs> good call. Uh, it specifically says friendly models may reroll any number of d6 when making a casting roll. Totally fair and balanced. Not awaiting the February FAQ at all. Richard, I can't you one. Yeah, I can't believe I uh, played with these nerfs. Um, my, last, <laughs> my last game against Mitchell, I, I should just count that as a major win instead. <laughs> so um, I know that we have uh, listeners from all over the world, and um, um, I would say I think the majority of them are not in North America. Um, so, like <laughs> these guys were talking about how this list has been talked about so much uh, last few months, and it's it's kind there's kind of an evil meta over here in North America, and uh, Assault on Lothorian uh, also hosts the Dragon Emperor, but these two legions have been popping up everywhere, and um, we haven't done a review episode on this legion, but uh, do let us know if you are still interested in hearing us review and talk about this legion more. Because off um, offline, um, not on this podcast, we definitely have been discussing this legion a lot. Um, it is a very a very strong 
um, local army that I don't think that it's, I wouldn't say that it's like unbeatable, but it definitely takes skill. Uh, otherwise, you know, we would have all of the Assault on Lothlorien legions probably, you know, finish top 10, but I don't think that was the case. To, yeah, to be fair, right. the, the skill cap on it is really high to, to get the most mileage out of it. Um, so I, I still think it says something that I, I'm pretty sure Richard hasn't dropped any games playing it, and he's played, what, like probably 10 to 15 games with the list now, and he, not a single loss. Yeah, so every... crazy. Yeah, I've, I've seen several of these played. Like, I, I finished my game so early uh, at the tournament that I actually stood and watched several of the games. And yeah, Richard, every game was flawless. And some of the other players that played, uh, they were just, yeah, they, they definitely didn't use what they had as well. And so, yeah. Yeah, still in the hands of a good player. I think this is, if not the best army currently right now, it, I think it's top three. Um, For sure. Richard's earlier list of like getting more spiders instead of the Wild War Chieftain, I actually really like that because I really like Giant Spider as a warrior. But I also see the um, the the benefits of having a, a mini beat stick in there. Uh, then there's like another role for your um, fast swarms to play as well. You know, since um, the Wild War Chieftain can't heroic strike, but uh, Wild War Chieftain is definitely like he, he's a little bit tricky to use because his might doesn't work the same way um you know you can't really use it unless you take a, a lot of wild wargs you can't use it properly um so definitely not an easy hero to to control but you know it, it, if you're if you're bringing him then like you know and you're going for the podium you, it, most likely you have a a strategy and um you know this obviously worked out for richard so uh yeah it's got to be a hero legend I can't see very many armies um, being able to counter it, at least easily. Like, if he brought this to another tournament, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a similar finish. The, the only scenario that you would struggle in is Contest of Champions. That's it. Every scenario, you do so well with this list. Yeah, and... And uh, that's why I think a lot of people put Musger as the leader. But I was even thinking if Druzai gets the plus one to wound, it's not unwinnable at all. I, I don't. Contest is still very doable for you because it requires your opponent to not make any mistakes in the first like three turns so they can rack up enough to kills to make it too hard for you to catch up. If they make any mistakes and you can one shot them, you have a very reasonable chance of, of winning. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, um, on to Alex's list. Um, so he had the Witch King of Angmar, uh, Crown and Horse. Uh, for Might, Will, Fate, he has 314-2, and that's his leader. And in his first warband, he is leading four Orc Warriors with Shield, two Moranins with Shield, uh, three Orcs with Spear, one with Moranin with Shield, Spear, Manor and then one Mirandon with shield and spear, two ward riders with shield. Uh, Garitz um, leading three orcs with shield, two Mirandons with shield, three orcs with spear, two Mirandons with orc, uh, shield spear, and one ward rider with shield. Uh, Gorbag, <laughs> uh, three orcs with shield, uh, two Mirandons with shield, three orcs with spear, two 
Moranians was shield and spear. Oh, I feel like I'm just repeating myself. Deja vu. But uh, the next warband, Zagdouche, two orcs with shield, two Moranians with shield, three with orcs with spear, one Moranian orc with shield and spear, one Wargrider with shield. And then the last warband, we have Kardush the Firecaller, uh, three orcs with shield, three orcs with spear, and six orc trackers. Um, 60 models. Um, I didn't expect him to be outnumbered at all, but he has, I, I think he had one of the highest at the tournament. Um, basically, Witch King, all like the mid-tier orc captains, and just orcs. Um, I mean, he has a decent amount of cav, but yeah, just orc warriors and Moran and orcs. Um, I'll say I played him at the tournament as well as in a practice game. I think it's just very, very um, well-rounded. I think not a lot of um, weak matchups. I think he's able to compete against most lists and most scenarios. I think um, perhaps Lords of Battle, um, you know, might be one of his weaker ones due to the Horde. But again, he has the tools. Um, not much to say. We've all seen the Mortar or Horde before. I think it's really solid. Um, so I, I would give this a Hero of Valor. Yep, same, uh, you know, we've seen similar lists from Alex. He likes to um, try to cover every weakness and have as balanced of a list as possible. Um, it has the signature, his signature favorite heroes, um, Guritz, Gorbeg, Kardush, they're all there. And uh, yeah, um, the model count is the strongest part of the list. Uh, I, I agree with the Hero of Valor. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's solid. 60 models is good as we talked about, like the, like the, the general meta is there's a lot of objective based scenarios. So having a lot of models is good. Um, and like everybody said, he covers all of his bases. It, it is kind of nice that he has like, like Gorbag and Zagdus are actually kind of like, they can be sneaky good at killing troops because they can both be three attacks at like reasonable fight value and strength to just munch through troops um, or strike up if you need to. If the Witch King can immobilize it, it could be enemy target. They can both strike. Um, and obviously Kardush and like the Witch King is just good for picking off VPs for or picking off banners because of their uh, the, the fireball in combination with uh, Black Dart or Compel. Um, I I don't know if maybe a soft legend or like a high valor. I'm kind of stuck between the two. Um, because there is no like big wow factor here, but they're also like there's nothing that's like a letdown. So I don't know. He, he's also making really good use of his, his army bonus too, right? So he's going to be, his orcs are going to be at a reasonable courage value because they get plus one courage. They're, they're basically going to outnumber everybody. And he's going to be rerolling lots of ones everywhere. So it's a nice little boost in damage. So solid. Yeah. Yeah, I. I don't think I like it as much as you guys, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's either a high fortitude or low valor. Um, I, I think it just comes down to a difference in play style, though. He actually did quite well in tournament. Do you guys know where he finished? Was it like seventh or something with the list? Ninth, I believe. Ninth? One, Ninth? Of, okay. one of his best finishes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> one above me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I can't criticize it too hard. He's better than me, but uh, I have played against this list before, um, and I it was a 
uh, it was at a previous tournament because he brought pretty much the same list to the 800 point tournament that you ran, Charles, back in July. Um, and yeah, it's uh, like it did well. It just doesn't have any like hitting power. Like it just relies on slowly grinding down the opponent. Um, and I just found that uh, in that tournament, I ran a Troll Brute and Azog, and my Troll Brute and Azog got like 27 kills between the two of them or something in the game. And so I broke him. Uh, <clears throat> but, and then the game ended because uh, we ran out of time. So I think that's, I think it's the biggest struggle I have with these kinds of lists is that they, they slow the game down <laughs> and then quite often you time out before the game finishes. But um, yeah, so I, I think, I think you're right. I think the list works really well. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's got enough Moran and Orcs that it's hard to kill quickly. Um, it just, it struggles killing. That's my only, that was my, that'd be the only thing knocking it down a, a tier for me is that um, it just takes a while for it to grind away at like a dwarf or a Minas Tirith battleline. So, um, but yeah, I clearly, uh, clearly Alex did really well with it. He knows how to use it. So, yeah, so uh, going into our game. So, yeah, so this is the second last game. So, we were both uh, quite high, high up. I think this was the top fourth table. Um, so we were both in the top 10. Um, and what was interesting was, in my opinion, a big part of it was coming down to um, the, uh, the roll off um, for deployment. And he won the roll and he decided to uh, take this side. Um, and I believe this is because in our uh, practice game, it was quite the open field and I shot him down with my uh, assault list, but I'm not sure if this worked better for him, giving me a fortified side. Um, so he set up along, um, you know, the, the halfway point. And as you can see for the listeners um, who are just listening as well, um, we have like a farmland which is quite open on one side and then the other side which um, I was placed in um, there's kind of a um, patch of uh, forest here with some houses and a little like farm that you could run through but there's like a, a gate funnel so only maybe two or three models deep could go in at the same time and um, the way I set up was behind these barriers um, with Prowler, so I could have throwing weapons as he came in and um, still fight over a barrier. I had um, some bowmen here, um, being able to have some open uh, shots as he came through the lane if he wanted to come this way. And then also I guarded the open, um, open side if he decided to run at me through uh, the more uh, clear field. So I would get some shots there. Um, he actually, I think, did the right thing by calling a heroic march early on and actually going down this open lane. And um, as ugly as it is trying to fit 60 models down this like narrow gateway, I think it was better than going through like this this farmland, um, you know, like I say, passageway that's like two, three models deep. And I think I would have crushed them in this field. Um, but, uh, one of the, one of the proudest, uh, moves that I believe I've, uh, you know, talked about 
um, right after this game was um, once he had his whole army deployed here right in front of my essentially fortress, um, I casted um, Shroud of Shadows on a giant spider who was blocking this uh, between the farm and the brush. So there's only one cavalry model base wide. So the, the spider was in, uh, taking up this spot and I had um, a bunch of prowlers, like six or seven prowlers right behind, um, throwing weapons into his front line every single turn. And uh, he wasn't able to charge in uh, to my spider. Um, I believe for three turns, um, so um, it, it was, I took advantage of the shooting and he also, of course, tried to come down here. Um, I kind of uh, kited him a little bit and then I moved back a little bit farther into the fortress. Um, and then there was a little bit of a fight here, but um, unfortunately the, it just took quite a while and um, so the, the turns were uh, winding down. I uh, I had some of my beasts with the Wild War Chief circle around his army from the back. Um, so at the time, I believe I had killed about 20, 25 models. I, don't, I didn't believe I was going to break him. Um, and he had only killed, I believe, three models. So I was in a 7-0 lead. Um, he was doing a good job protecting his Witch King. So, um, but I was thinking about VPs. I did get a little greedy. I was thinking maybe if I rushed in the last turn, maybe I could break him. Maybe I could kill the Witch King um, to get a bit um, higher. But he, what he played really well. So as I came out of this tunnel to charge in and I charged in um, from his flank, he did a, he, he like we said, um, earlier he has a lot of these mid-range orc captains and he just chain heroic combated off and that's something that um i guess i didn't expect um he would be so aggressive with i knew he wouldn't break me because you know he's not going to kill um you know 30 models in one turn but um he ended up winning a lot of combats and um he got to a point where i i think he killed over 10 goblins um, so I ended up not tripling his, his wounds and only doubling his wounds, but, um, yeah, I guess the reason why I chose this game, not only is it because I got to play Alex, but, um, I think it shows a lot in, um, using the terrain to its advantage, to your advantage. And, um, even though I understand Lords of Battle is probably a little bit favored for me, um, I believe even in a matchup that might not be, if you can know the strength of your list and uh, play accordingly, like this, unfortunately, like it felt like from the beginning, um, once he had given me this deployment position, I did not think I was going to lose unless something really, really crazy happened. So, um, I think some games, if you set yourself up right, um, you're just, you know, in the driver's seat to win the game. Yeah, I, Alex and I talked about this a little bit um, afterwards, and I think 
his deployment was like he was thinking it's better for him to like you said to run at you like take the open field so he starts in the open yes but he's running at you where there's a lot of terrain on your board and you're obviously going to try and sit back so there's more stuff he can hide behind in the way um it's not a bad idea but maybe better if he had like a smaller number army if he had more elite army that's like 35 to 40 models that might have been the better choice um, in this case, because he has the 60 models and he outnumbers you, maybe maybe deploying the other way was the better idea, just so he can get as much frontage into combat with you as possible. Because he does outfight you in most of the line, right? Because most of your lines fight two, and most of his is fight three. And just to add in, Max, uh, the TO, got a, a picture in the middle of the match, so you can kind of see how uh, things were a little bit deployed here um, with his army. Uh, grouped all 60 models here. Where the guy I have, on the right, the guy on the right looks so much happier than the guy on the left. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trying to keep it in, you know, not to be rude. Uh, <laughs> trying to keep in the giddiness. <laughs> well, yes, this was um, halfway through the game. What the game kind of looked like in live action. Also, it just occurred to me that you just like plowed through half the podcast at this tournament. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I did play quite a few uh, podcast members. Oh, well. <laughs> Thank God Wait. I dodged the Lactins and uh, Charles as well. You got you, you have to play us in practice games, and you still beat us, so you still you technically played through the entire podcast, <laughs> other, other than maybe Charles. <laughs> uh, this game sounds phenomenal. I mean, your strategy sounds like it was perfect. Uh, the matchup... Uh, I think, yeah, like, it sounds like uh, Alex, you know, took advantage of probably one of the, the strengths of his list. He had lots of might and a few, uh, enough mid-tier heroes that he was able to fill, like, a front line, you know, with four or five, you know, B-stick or, you know, three might, two attack type heroes to, to fight. But yeah, that's, yeah, uh, horde armies don't like choke points, so you definitely took advantage of uh, one of the weaknesses, so... Awesome. That's a fantastic game, it sounds like. I think that you were favored because of your shooting, but if he was able to close in and you had a few bad rounds of shooting, um, it, I, I don't think his odds of winning was that terrible because his heroes in general, like on average, are probably better in combat than yours. And um, it, your his models are a lot harder to kill, right? So... Uh, earlier, when we were reviewing his list, we were saying that he was missing uh, some kind of wow factor in his list. I think Black Numenorians are cheap enough and, and cost-efficient enough that if you were to swap some Morandans for Black Numenorians and he had Fight 4, that would give him a huge advantage against your Goblins, your Orcs, and, and, and even your Spiders. It would it would tie, tie Spiders, and I think that would be pretty scary for you. Um, you know, but it, especially when he doesn't really have um, models that synergize with the orc keyword that well, like he doesn't have like Gothmog, for example. So I, I don't think it was necessary to go all orcs, but um, but yeah, uh, that like great job taking advantage of the terrain because if it was open field, then I think Alex would have uh, a pretty good shot at at surrounding you. Yeah, that's a good and, point. Yeah. 
Sorry, Richard. Oh, I was just saying, and um, I think what um, Alex was calling the invisible wall, I think the reference he was making was, you know, how like in a video game, you try to like walk off the edge of a map, but you can't because it's like blocked. <laughs> he was yeah. saying his orcs can get through. <laughs> yeah. No, you said you, you utilize the terrain. I think this is a good example where, uh, you know, Charles is right. You, you might not have been entirely favored, like it wasn't a guaranteed win list-wise. Uh, you just played the t terrain to your advantage and, and won. So. And yeah, like props for using the like invisible ring rules shenanigans to the absolute yeah. most, considering you have a shooting list. I've never heard of anybody doing that, and it's hilarious, and it's so mean considering your list. <laughs> I never would have considered that. Yeah, so smart. no chance. Because, yeah, he has nothing for that because his, his fury doesn't help with the, the ring. It's it's, like, it's a perception test. Yeah, yeah. And pe people were saying, like, oh, why didn't he just walk through the spider? Um, but then I had prowlers in the back, so you can't land on the actual spider. So Oh, they were, like, right up against. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, because they were throwing over. Yeah, like, yeah. Like a yeah. barrier, right? Like two ranks, yeah, because he doesn't, he doesn't count. He doesn't count as in the way for anything. Yeah, hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> All right, Ian, do you, do you want to go over your list? Sure, I'll go over mine. Considering You're the only we just, good, good side, so it's good to have you in the middle. We'll mix it up, and considering how much I just hyped up uh, Assault on Lothlorien, this is the one time out of four games that I've beaten it. <laughs> oh, spoilers. <laughs> Oops. Shouldn't have said okay. that. <laughs> Give me one sec, I'll share my screen. Um, so, actually, a bit of... Um, I mean, I, I don't know, for long-time listeners of the podcast, they may remember way, way, way back in um, episode one, I wrote a list involving a bunch of Iron Guard, because I've had about eight Iron Guard sitting around um, for a long time, and I've wanted to run a list with Mass Iron Guard. And this is finally the chance that I've gotten to do it. So my list, let me just pop it up right here, that's... Yeah, there we go. So, uh, here's my list. Okay, I'll start from the top. Um, I have Caliborn, and he's fully equipped. Uh, in his warband, he has one Wood Elf Warrior with Spear, one Gladrim Warrior with Spear, Shield, and a Banner, two Guards of Gladrim Court, one Gladrim Knight with Shield and a Bow, and one Sentinel. My next warband is Rumel. He has two Guards of the Gladrim Court and one Sentinel. Next one is the Dwarf King. Just no extra gear, just by himself. And he has six Iron Guard and four Dwarf Warriors with bow. And my last warband is Arvidui, ten Warriors of Arnor, and five Rangers. Um, so, as I was saying, the basic thesis of this list was I wanted to run a bunch of Iron Guard. Um, and to balance that out, it, I kind of just went through stages of what to ally. So, Arvidui and Arnor is a Yellow Alliance with the, um, this these Dwarves. So getting in cheap spears that are eight, like they're only eight points, um, and like a lot of them was good for me to just to balance out the expensive cost of the iron guard. So I kind of wanted to go that route. So grabbed him, and then my next choice was I was kind of thinking of grabbing a blinding light to protect the iron guard, but wasn't sure if I 100% needed that because I could put the uh, the warriors of Arnor in front and they're they're cheap and they can take the shots because I don't really care if they die as much. So. You know, I was debating that, and the initial one I wrote had um, had Caliborn and Gladriel allied in. 
And I was like, well, you know, I don't need Galadriel. I ally her into everything. I want to run Rumel. I haven't run him in a while. Okay, we'll throw Rumel in. And I kind of just ended up with this um, combination. Um, and it kind of worked pretty well. Because, yeah, I know we didn't, like, say we loved Caliborn, but he actually kind of brings something to the list with his magic because, you know, about a third of my list is Arnor, which is Courage too. He has a fantastic Courage bubble. So, um, with Order of Command to, to, to basically negate that. Um, so that's kind of where that came in. Um, and also just, you know, a solid leader. He's a Lord of the West. He just needs to get in there. And, you know, if he's fighting two guys a turn, He's happy. He has strike. He has defense. If a hero goes into him, he can either fight them or just hold them off for long enough until other stuff happens. So he was pretty solid. Um, Rumil, I used to run a lot last edition. I probably haven't run him in about four years. He is still fantastic. Having heroic defense on him and just base defense seven is great. And the rest of the list is kind of self-explanatory. I, of course, max bows simply because I wanted options. Um, in case I came up against a list that didn't have a lot of shooting, then I could shoot. Um, as it turns out, at the event, I basically was forced to run it into my opponent in three of my games, so I, my shooting didn't actually do that much because I was outshot in those ones, but it was nice to have the option. Um, what else is interesting? Oh, and the two Sentinels. Um, yeah, that was just for shenanigans. Shenanigans is nice um, in this list because I don't have a lot of... Um, I don't have any mounted heroes, so in order to, like, it, it kind of functions as a way to, like, in pseudo-increase my movement, because if I can pull out an enemy warrior or something, charge him with some of my heroes and hurl a combat off of that, I can gain extra movement from that. And I tried to do that in a few of my games. It didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to when I needed it to, but that was kind of the thinking. Um, yeah. Comments, criticisms... I have played against this list, and uh, although uh, Azog killed four Iron Guards in the first turn, uh, the everything else was terrifying. Um, I think Kelborn, I know he's an underrated hero, but he's even though you can't mount him, he's got all the right stats. He's got the rerolls. He's got the D7. He's got the fight six with the strike. I mean, you're right. The magic. I didn't even think about the courage. The Aura of Command uh, being basically a, a makeshift shaman. Um, you had four heroes that could all fight, uh, and your entire army was pretty much fight four and fight five. Um, yeah, the one game I played against it, it just it was so reliable. Every model uh, was able to do something. It was it was every model could contribute to um, all aspects of the game. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was a hero of valor for sure, like a solid hero of valor. I, yeah, I did not want to play it again after playing it the first time. This reminds me of um, back when we, in our earlier episodes, where we just tried out like different mishmash, um, mishmash different lists together and just to see if there would be any synergy and uh yeah like if i was playing this list i wouldn't know what to do with it because um it just it just has it, it just it looks kind of random to me but uh, I, I kind of 
understand what you're going for. Um, your heroes are all like pretty, they're all able to fight pretty, pretty well. Um, and I guess I can see the synergy between the Arnor and the Aura of Command. That's, that's pretty good. Um, I, I, it's probably going to be Kelborn or Galadriel, right? As, as from Lothlorien. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know because I didn't play Yu in, in practice or at the tournament. So I don't know how, like, how I feel when I actually play it. Um, but, you know, you, it seems, seems pretty solid and, um, and, and you did pretty well. So, um, I don't know how I would improve it because it just like, I, I guess you could take less Lothorian and more dwarves or, um, maybe more Arnor and take advantage of the undercosted warrior there. Um, but, you know, you're probably basing the list around your hero choices. So I don't know if you would have wanted to go that route and just focus on two alliances rather than three. But um, yeah, I, th I think I would agree with the, the, the Valor rating as well. It was just so awkward to fight. Most armies, when you ally something, you're bringing something else, right? Like you're bringing in goblins for for horde, or you're you know you you want you want better shooting, so you bring like elves or. But this didn't. Like every every section of your three sections, I chose to fight. They all had high defense. They all had high fight value. They all had a three attack beat stick hero like. It's like, all right, I'm just, just going forward and hitting it all at the same time and see what happens. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so I, I played against this a couple of times. Um, I I think it's interesting, um, but what I think stops me from giving this like a legend is um, I think in particular because I played you with Assault on Lothlorien that um, you had to come to me. I think it, this list is very, very strong if you win the shoot war and you have that priority. But I think the issue is quite apparent when um, you have to come running to the opponent. You do have the heroic march, but I find that that's one of the biggest issues with the foot heroes. When they're running up to you, uh, a little similar to like Alex's list, uh, with his mortar or captains, obviously your heroes are stronger, but um, they're just a lot less threatening. Um, having to move up that like six, and then like also put them in a prime position to like threaten you because you can be you can readjust your line accordingly. Um, I just don't love that, um, especially if you can have like a mounted like uh, Lord of the West. You know, if you're coming up and the battle lines are six inches apart. That Glorfindel or like Guild Valad can literally go into anywhere in your line, and it's a lot more threatening. So I think obviously, like, you're a very, very skilled player. Um, so I think that's why it's very strong in your hands. But as a list, um, you know, there's, there's some things I don't love about it. Um, I know you wanted to play with the Iron Guard, but, you know, I also think they're slightly overcosted. So even if you're going to bring a few, um, six is not my ideal. Um, you could spam out a lot more of the regular dwarves, 
Um, I do like the two Sentinels um, for shenanigans, but yeah, I think going um, all foot heroes, especially when you're playing good, uh, not really my style. Um, but I would give it like a maybe like a low level Valor. Oh, lads, I will take all Valors for this. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I had conversations with a few people about this list, and they're all like, huh, that's weird. It seems kind of filthy. I'm like, I don't think it's filthy. It's certainly optimized. I'm not really sure what it is, but it definitely is. Um, <laughs> the, the it's a one, head scratcher. It is. It definitely confuses a lot of people. <laughs> I was definitely not sure how I felt. I was like, is it fit? No, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and it, like we're saying, like, so it does have the shooting. It's not a shooting list. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those lists where it's like, oh, you don't have any bows and I can sit here and shoot on you and, like, it's not going to cost me objectives. Perfect. I'll down, you know, half a dozen models and then we'll get into combat. Um, it, it has that ability. That's not really what it does well. Um, and it, it, unfortunately, it took me till about like halfway through the tournament to kind of like really figure this out. But if, if this list gets um, two to three rounds of combat against an enemy list um, with the, the majority of the Iron Guard and the heroes fighting troops, like it doesn't it doesn't just have to be fighting troops. Like obviously, sometimes I have to put a couple of the heroes to, to stop heroes. Um, but if I get the Iron Guard and say two of the heroes fighting troops, maybe one hero combat or two, I'll kill like. 20 models in two turns like it it just goes through enemy troops provided they're d6 or less i haven't i didn't have the joy of playing a dwarf horde with this list and i was afraid of that um but like d6 or less this this list just chops through um and unfortunately for me just because of the lists that i was playing against in this i was outshot in about three of the games i had to play so i had to run to them and they kind of had to could, could sit back at the back of the board, so we just ran out of time. So I didn't end up getting those three rounds of combat to force the breakthrough. Um, but if you do get those conditions, it, it can be pretty gross. All right, tell us about your game. So in this game, this was game four, so we were playing... Um, uh, what are we playing? We're playing Clash by Moonlight. Uh, wait, what are we playing? Lords of Battle. Lords of Battle. That's the one. Not Clash by Moonlight. I'm, 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 my brain is melting because of the stupid rules for Assault on Lothal. You just muted yourself. Yeah, sorry. Um, my brain's melting a little bit because uh, it's always midnight here in uh, Assault on Lothlorien town. Um, so the the guy I was playing against was uh, Brian. He had the same list as Richard, basically almost almost exactly the same. Like there's some a few nuances. I think maybe he had a couple more bows than you, um, but it, it it was basically the same list as Richard. So if if you want comparison, you can go back and rewind and look at his list. It's basically the same thing. Um, and we were playing on this Hobbit board right here. Um, so. A couple small alterations, though, to the board. So this picture was taken, I think, at the start of the event before any games were played. So by the time round four happened, um, can you guys see my cursor? Yes, we can. Okay. 
So by the time we were playing our game, this tree here, this little group of trees was kind of, it was a couple inches further, maybe like around here. Uh, let uh, It was a couple inches, maybe like here or so. Um, and this other one that's further down was kind of further back, kind of like back here. So that 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 makes a little bit of a difference for how the how the game played out. But anyway, so I deployed my list uh, here. Basically, everyone is kind of clumped up between the bridge and the house here and trying to avoid the stream because we were playing out of shallow water. And obviously, I have a lot of dwarves and I'm all infantry. Not so good for me to be running in there. So I had to set up everybody there. Um, and he set up his line kind of along the back edge here and then slightly curving up uh, up the side here. Um, and basically, I think the first two turns, I think I think I called two marches with my Dwarf King. Um, and basically, we just I ran my whole list up through this gap. Um, he had maybe a half to third of his bows were sitting down in this corner down here. So I was kind of trying to use this one tree as much as possible just to block shots on my heroes and my Iron Guard. They were kind of insulated. I, I basically made a little death ball with Warriors of Arnor in the front. And then like two war ranks of Warriors of Arnor, and then my Iron Guard clumped in the middle, and then kind of like my Bowmen and Rangers kind of out the sides. Um, so my guys mostly ran up there. I left a few archers out between the, the trees here and um, the building, just kind of trade shots. Uh, some of my Dwarf bows, some of the Rangers, they're kind of hiding behind the trees there too. I think a Sentinel was in there. Trading shots, getting a few kills. Um, and in the initial few turns, the, the shooting war wasn't too bad. I think maybe I lost six guys, but I managed to kill like three or four. So like the trade-off was actually, it was like, it was like, I, I can't really complain about that. Um, that was pretty good. And then when I got about one and a half turns away from his line, I managed to pull out one uh, uh, Prowler, I think. And I jumped on a whole bunch like Rumil. I jumped on two of my heroes, I think it was Arvidui and the Dwarf King, and a bunch of Iron Guard onto them, but they were kind of exposed out in the front of my land. I couldn't get enough coverage on them. I got them covered from maybe half the bows. And in that one round of shooting, he picks up like one die for a Goblin Archer way back here, who just somehow has a perfect line of sight to the combat with no other in the ways, and he killed the Goblin. I was, I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, I set this up so well. This should have been in the ways on almost everybody, except like there's like maybe a group of three or four goblins there. And the first one he tries kills the goblin. It's so annoying. But anyway, c'est la vie. So I didn't get to do get into combat a turn early, unfortunately. Um, after that, yeah, we kind of we combat was joined kind of basically where this arrow is formed here. So kind of along this line um there so that's where i got most of my heroes my iron guard uh into fighting and then i kind of had um i guess uh, a refused flank so i kind of had some guys curling off up to here um and the reason i did that is because i should have mentioned this earlier there's a little circle down here in the bottom right with a little w in it that was where his white uh, war chieftain was and he spent most of the turns i was advancing just kind of sitting there so by the time combat happened he was like two turns away from being able to do anything so first round of combat went pretty well got some real combats off did some damage down here the white war goes oh crap i need to go do stuff i can need to like try and stop his heroes so uh he do, do, do i make this full screen there we go uh, oh yeah never mind um the white war so he started coming around here like this um these other circles behind i should say are his like bats and spiders and then the two that are over here are just 
regular wild works. So they just kind of like they started joining the fight kind of on my flank here um, and in here a little bit, but they were a little bit nervous because because my heroes were there. And I think I managed over the first two turns, I managed to kill a couple of them. Um, and I guess now in the second round of combat, so let's say the white warg is basically where the end of his, his arrow is. We're going into the next turn. Um, I managed to sentinel an orc to stand right here and charge his whole front line along here. So his white warg chieftain was just kind of sitting there with nobody, nowhere to charge in the front. So instead of kind of going into the fight, he ended up having to loop around to try and go this way to chase down some rangers there just, just to get into the fight to do stuff. So I, I successfully blocked out his white warg chieftain basically for most of the game until like the, the, what ended up being the last round of combat. Um, and that, that was, that was it, right? But that was basically the game. It was me running here. We had the one round of combat, second round of combat, the white work has to run around. We're still fighting in this general kind of L shape here. Um, and by this point I had, like the kill count was more or less even. I think I had pulled ahead by a bit, but I was getting really close to my break point. So going into the last turn, um, the white work chieftain's up here. He's poised to run around my flank and do some damage, get enough kills. I think I was three off breaking. He was like 10 off breaking, but I was ahead on the kill count. So in the last turn, basically thinking, okay, we're going to draw. I'm going to be ahead on kills, so I'll get three points. My leader's probably fine. I'm not going to get to his leader, so there's nothing there. Um, I'm not going to break him, probably, because I needed like... I, like, I did the math after all the fights were paired off. I think I needed to kill in, like, every single fight, and then I would have broken him. So that that wasn't going to happen. And then his white work chieftain up here was basically, he jumped onto a single ranger. He got enraged, and he had two other wargs there. Um, and he was poised to go to kill him off of a real combat and jump into, like, a couple of the random guys I had sitting around the back just to flank. But that would have been three kills enough to break me. So, okay, last round. He's probably going to get the break. My, I have to try and get the break on him too and get as many kills as possible, and then maybe I can peep out a win. Um, and all things considered, because it's Lords of Battle, I, I would like to think that it is... Like, I, like I managed to play it skillfully enough to get to this point where like I still had a chance of winning. Um, I had a bout, a bout of ridiculous luck at the end here that, that kind of cinched it for me. So this white war chieftain up here setting up that heroic combat, um, he's enraged, so he's got like eight dice against my lonely ranger. I was like, you know what? Go ranger, go. Throw the one dice while he was still like counting out all of his dice, and the ranger rolls a six, and I was like, yeah! He tried! Good job, ranger! You nailed it! I'm proud of you. Good effort. And then Brian rolled his dice. And he got a four high on his white warg, or on the wild warg, and then like ones and twos on his regular troops. And we're both just kind of like stopped and we're like looking at it. And he was like, huh. And I was just like, huh. And I think we shook hands at that point because it was like, that is terrible luck for you, my dude, and incredible luck on my part. And yeah, it was like, it was a little, it was, it was stupid, but. You know, like we say sometimes in events, it does take a certain amount of luck for you to, to pull things out. So that happened. That was great. So now I'm thinking, oh, crap. 
maybe we're not going to draw. Because, like, I now, there's a reasonable chance for my guys to, like, live. I'm not, like, a reasonable chance I'm not going to take three casualties. And I, I think I could, I might be able to break him. And maybe I, I probably should have shielded on a bit more of the fights here than I did. But I, I, I just kind of went, I got a little greedy and I tried to go for kills. Um, so we resolved the rest of the fights around here. And I managed to get him to one off breaking and he managed to kill two of my guys. So I was one off breaking. He was one to two off of breaking. And I had 30. I think, um, points, and he had, like, 15. So I was, or, or, like, 16. So I was almost doubling him. And then we, we it came down to the end where, like, oh, man, I've, I've almost doubled you. That's crazy. No break. And we're, like, does does the hit from the White War Chief there the, on the Wild War, does that, does that count for a point, right? So he did the wound. And that's what it was. Yeah, he did the wound, but he ended up being 31 wounds done to his force to like 16 to me. So I didn't double him, but he didn't break me. Neither like neither of us broken. Nothing else happened. So I think I got it three one or three zero, something like that. But yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, I'm just happy I managed to beat this list. But yeah, it, like purely luck based on that last round. <laughs> um, Otherwise, it would have been a draw. Had the game gone on longer and we didn't time out, I don't know. It, it would have been interesting. I, I hopefully, I think I think I still could have had a chance against him because I probably would have broken him the next turn. And I don't know how well that list handles being broken. But yeah, it was a solid game. Brian played pretty well, um, but he just kind of like, I don't know. Like, like I think the only mistake he made was maybe not moving up his white war chief in a turn earlier because he got he just got boxed out, um, and then just like a little bit of poor luck. Like I managed to pull the sentinel in to block him at a really opportune time. I won the heroic move so I could do that, and then obviously the 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 work failing his heroic combat was huge. Wow, I'm, I'm impressed you uh, you beat. A uh, assault and offline, in, in yeah, in a, in a in a game where you had to get shot at and then fight them in close combat. So, great job. <laughs> so, uh, no comments on the game from me, but um, you did say white war chief in quite a few times. I know. know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did not have Azog. <laughs> Big scary war. Is that better? <laughs> So I think that uh, I, I wasn't there to watch a game, but I think the game would have gone differently if Brian had deployed on the other side of that stream because he already knew that you were going to have to come to him. <coughs> so if he deployed on the left side of the board on that hill, you would have had to swim or go backwards on that bridge and loop around, which gave it would give him two or three turns of shooting um right because true because why I, i'm just i'm just trying to think in brian's shoes why i would deploy on the same side as you when there's a river that divides the board and down the middle i think he well maybe he just didn't consider go oh going like that like uh this side and that side no 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 like or you mean just the like same up side here of the board but here. on the left side yeah yeah on yeah. that hill 
I think um, I think he won the roll-off to choose which side, and he put down a warband over here where he initially deployed, and then I put down Rumel kind of like in the middle, and Rumel's warband is like four guys, so like it's okay if they're out of position a little bit. And after that, he put down another warband over here, so it's like, okay, his army is going like on this side. He's not gonna like. He doesn't want to risk. His, and his goblins move super slow, so I don't think he wanted to split his army either. Um, yeah, true. That, is, I, that I, is a good point. I, I understand that. I, I just, um, yeah, like like as an observer, I might experience it differently because when you're actually playing the game, sometimes you don't catch everything. So, um, but but like while we're alternating deploying warbands, I might have considered maybe deploying on the other side just so that uh, it kind of messes your deployment a little bit potentially but but if you're saying that you're the one that deploy first then or yeah you deploy first right i think he picked side and then put down a warband okay first he deployed first side. yeah so so, so it, it's harder that way and, and then and then yeah and then i put rumel kind of down in the center and then he put a second one down so he had you know like 20 models down and i had four Okay. So it was kind of obvious and then the other thing too is maybe this line was a little bit further back because mm -hmm. this the stream here was in my deployment zone. Like I had, ah, I, I managed to like fudge it enough. Like I had some guys, more guys up on the bridge, but I, it, it did, the stream back here did complicate my deployment and slow down some of my guys like a reasonable okay. amount. Okay. Yeah. That's why, that's why you drop the wild war chief first and usually alone. Yeah, I don't, I think his warbands were pretty evenly split. Like they're all kind of like, seven to ten models i think mm -hmm. yeah yeah like like richard said right if he dropped the warband the the wild ward first and if it, if he had a single drop then deploy the rest of his army on the left then uh it, it would it would be significantly harder for you to get to him and yeah and and uh and then you probably would have thought oh i should have taken gladriel instead of Kelleborn. <laughs> Oh, frick, man, this was my <laughs> second round against um, Assault on Laws Lorraine. And the round after this, I played a Harad list with, like, 24 bows. So, yeah, I was I was really wishing I had Blinding Light for, like, most of the tournament. <laughs> oh, good job, though, considering that I, I, I'm not sure if you were favored in that matchup. You, you, did, you did well, though. Well, uh, I, I think that kind of harkens back to, like, the... the you know, when you're saying what it takes to win an event and wh whatever episode that was, you know, like, I like to think it was some amount of skill that got me into the position where, like, we could tie. And then, like I said earlier, like, just blind luck that it, like, that heroic combat failed and I ended up getting the win. But, yeah, it's it's definitely a rough matchup. But th this was, like, the one game where I kind of did get what I wanted to. Like, I got my heroes in and most of my Iron Guard in for three rounds of combat. And I did about 30 wounds. Wow. Yeah. So there's good job. It sounds like you made the best of a bad a bad matchup. So yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'll be covering uh the fourth game of this episode and um not trying to make it uninteresting, but I also pick game four. Um my game went a little bit different than you guys, though. Um, I picked my I picked a game that I lost in. So let me um, share my screen. Charles proving he's more humble than the rest of us. 
Richard didn't have a choice. He was just undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> Ian and I were like, I'm not going to share how that 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 bad game went. Bad. I'm just, I'm just happy I won that freaking game, man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sultan Florian lost. Ben, That's all stro- I wanted. Ben, don't stroke my ego even more. I can't get <laughs> any more cocky. The only thing left now is the perfect score, right? Five twelve O's. Yeah, you got, dude. Uh, next GT, Richard, twenty points, <laughs> twenty tournament points. That would be disgusting. Yeah, no, that would be it. You can guys see? Yeah, yeah, we can see. Okay, so it, game four was um, I was out on top table against Mitchell Hammond, and the night before we found out about our matchups that I was going to play him on top table the next day, and. Um, I was I was still I was still able to get some sleep, but I don't like playing against the Dragon Emperor. Um, he brought the whole host of Dragon Emperor. Uh, this was the table, and uh, so let me just. So was this your second Hammond of the tournament or third? <laughs> this was my third Hammond. So I played... <laughs> oh my goodness! Previous previous day, I played uh, Marcus and uh, Matthew, and um, I was like. Okay, well, there's just one more Hammond, and then I got mashed up against Mitchell, so that was hey, if you, complete the full set. Yeah, if you beat him, then you would show that Into the West is superior podcast to the Duran show. <laughs> if this I episode mean, comes out before any of the stuff they do in the next couple of months, then we win. Is that how that works? I mean, I guess I did beat Mitchell in the final round, so I redeemed us a little bit. Let's just not say who won the event. Just don't that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he had a loss. <laughs> yeah, he's not bitter about that at all here, Richard. So okay, so go with, over my list first. So um, so I did a Far Harad and Serpent Horde Alliance. I had um so from Far Harad, Mahud King with Camel, Shield, and War Spear, five half trolls. One Mahud warrior with spear, one Mahud warrior with spear and blowpipe, and three Mahud raiders with war spear and blowpipe. A second warband led by Mahud king, identical to the first, and then a final warband of Suladan on armored horse. Eight Haradrim warriors with spear, two Haradrim warriors with bow, and seven Haradrim warriors with bow and spear. So that's forty models. Um, that's seven. That's nine bows, and then eight eight blowpipes. So. This is similar to a list that I brought uh, to Adepticon three years ago. I modified it a little bit um, to bring up the numbers. You know, I dropped two camels and then uh, basically bulked up Suludan's Warband. But essentially, it plays the same um, if fans of the podcast have um, listened to uh, older episodes where I've gone over that list. It's, it heavily relies on the Mahood Kings and the Half Trolls to do um, the heavy lifting to... Uh, to uh, fight most of the combats, get most of the kills. Suldan is a support hero, and also he has the Heroic March if I need it. And I just went for tons of spears. Um, just because previously I played with more Mahood infantry with spear, and though those were just more expensive. So I went for the slightly softer, but um, greater in number, uh, Warriors of Harad with spear. So... Um, it's it, 40 models is, I would say, smack down in the middle for um, average 
uh, model count for 800 points, but it is surprisingly tough uh, when you have 10 half trolls that are multi wound. Um, any th any thoughts on this list before I go into the game? It's terrifying. I talked to my brother after the game you played against him, and it hits like a freight train. It's a little glass cannon-y, but I'm a big fan of glass cannon armies because you either beat your opponent quickly or you, you lose quickly. So, yeah, love it. I think for the most part, if you haven't played against this list before, you don't realize what it can do, and then it just walks through you. It's gross. Like I don't, I don't remember like how when you first started bringing this. I think it probably took me like five or six games to actually figure out how to fight it, because there's just so many threats, and the camels are so annoying. Okay, so. Um, I play, I'm playing against, uh, like I said earlier, a host of the Dragon Emperor, Legendary Legion. Um, so Mitchell's army was, uh, I think, around the same as mine, uh, 40 or maybe uh, slightly more. But he deployed uh, around here, um, and I deployed around here. So um, he, he might have been up on the line, actually. But basically, he decided to all deploy on this choke. So I knew that he had uh, the cataphract of drum and that he was going to come at me. And I had to decide where the combats were going to meet and where I wanted to fight. So ideally, <coughs> ideally I wanted to split combats between this choke and this choke. Because, um, you know, if he were to come down here and fight here, then it would be almost open for me. Um, so... I put maybe 10 models here, and then the rest of them, I moved them up slightly here as he marched forward. Um, I didn't realize how like how uh, much he would be committed into moving here, because he didn't move any models there. He, he, he just um, sounded the war drums and came down here. Uh, I had maybe two turns of shooting. I killed maybe two or three acolytes, and... Uh, that, that was that was about it and and he parked his east easterling emperor here dragon emperor here and then his pikemen just went along this line and then i put my half trolls here so it was a uh, half troll with a haradrim spear against a black dragon with two supports and we were both fight five so every single combat basically came down to um, a roll off and I kept the half trolls here because his whole army kind of sat here and I was hoping that he would send them around. Um, I didn't use them to come and support my main battle line because there wasn't any space to fight. So one of the things I wasn't sure what to do was with the reserve I had here. So I had another picture that I took during the, the game that might help illustrate it. So um, basically he marched down here and uh, right before the lines clashed, this is where um, the the warbands are looking, and um, I wasn't fully committed to walking around because I knew that with his drum he would be able to outrun me and just move his whole army down here, and then my half trolls would have to spend at least three more turns to walk around to do anything, and so they decided to stay here. They couldn't come here because next turn 
there were already two full lines of combats here. So these models struggle to do very much uh, for three or four turns, which was uh, I was not very happy with. Um, so when the lines clashed, finally, it looked like this. And, um, you know, we both both sides provided a banner and it came. It was three dice against three dice and basically it came down to roll offs. Unfortunately, I didn't win most of the roll offs. And so um, Mitchell had a pretty uh, big lead on kill count. So by the time we were second round of combat, he was at around 12 wounds and I was at around six or seven. And um, basically, he just kept the lead at six or seven um, kills. And, you know, camels generally are very good, uh, like like Ian mentioned before, but uh, Mitchell's list didn't really have cavalry. He had a dragon knight on horse and then just the cav with the drum. So um, I didn't really have very good targets to charge into for the camels. Um, generally, they're really good at dehorsing. Um, enemy uh, mounted models because they can also hit the, the horse at the same time. Um, there was one opportunity that where I could have charged and dismounted his Dragon Knight. His Dragon Knight came around here to try to flank me. Um, I charged three camels into him and only the third camel dehorsed him. And then he rolled a six to, to, um, on his throne rider and I think he killed all three camels. So. That was a pretty expensive combat for me just to dehorse the, the Dragon Knight. Um, close to the end of the game, you know, both sides took casualties here, but I would say that he won most of the roll-offs, and um, he almost doubled me up until the last turn. So when the last turn was called, uh, neither of us were, were very close to breaking, but uh, I was able to have one really... Really, I, I rolled really hot in the last uh, when the last turn was called, and I was able to catch up. And the final score was 23 wounds for him and 17 wounds for me. Um, and uh, neither of us broke, and neither of us wounded each other's leaders. So he won a minor victory of 3-0. Um, just calculating TPs using the old system. Um, my biggest. Um, I, I think he played really well just committing to come down here and because I didn't do much with these five or six models um, that thinking back, I still I still I'm, I'm not sure if I should have followed him and looped around. But yeah, that was that was the game um, a little bit frustrating, but um, but very, very tactical. And I think uh, Mitchell did a really good job here against me. Before we even jump into how the game went, uh, these were definitely the two most beautifully painted armies at the tournament. Like, yeah, I think beautiful. I think um, they they both won something, right, Charles? Yeah, he won. Mitchell won best display board, and I was favorite evil army. Yeah, well deserved to both of you guys. They were. I just played against uh, Mitchell's army in tournament on Saturday, and it it just popped, like it was so nice. And then I, I've seen your Herod list before. You took this to Nova as a version of this to Nova, or was it a Tacticon? Tacticon, yeah. Uh, and then right after, I think you took it to a tournament to practice for a Tacticon, and I played against you. And yeah, it's a it's a stunning army to look at.
Yeah, I, um, I do like the matchup too. It's like <laughs> you got like half trolls going up against fight five Easterlings. Um, I, I honestly, yeah, and then one's like a 12 inch banner, one's six inch. I think it just sounds like it comes down to who rolls the sixes. It's <laughs> a good point. Old, old old world filth versus new filth. <laughs> well, it, it kind of sounds like uh, it, it came down to who you decided was the good side and who was the evil side for the role. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, um, Charles, you chose wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess, like, because how many rounds of combat did you guys have? Like, three? Three or four. That's it. Yeah, so... You just even if you had to send those like like you're saying you needed to hold those guys that reserve force at the back there until his heroes were committed, and then by the time his heroes were committed, you probably just didn't have enough time anyway for them to run around and get into combat. So, yeah, it's a, it, that's annoying, but yeah, I don't know if, you, if there's much else you could have done there. Yeah, you can, maybe could have committed a turn turn earlier, but that's that sounds risky. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing um, that uh, I, if I had a heroic march that was not on Suladan, I would have done it. I think I would have marched around and and uh, and tagged him, try try to split his army because then the his back flank wouldn't have, might not even have had the fight five buff, and my half trolls could have, might have been able to cut through them. So. Um, it was it, it was just very advantageous for him how he could get basically his whole army in the six inch bubble. Um, my like uh, ideal combats for me would be him at fight four. Uh, the banner reroll is unavoidable, but him at fight four, I, I think I would have been able to uh, catch up in kills and maybe won the game. But yeah, that's how it ended. Don't, um, sounds like that last turn, that was that's a huge comeback, so. I needed just, one more. I needed. You just needed, more. yeah, one or two more turns. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So Charles, yeah, for your list, I would probably just give it a legend. Like I think we, we've talked about, we've talked about it before, haven't we? Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tweaked version of the list, but it's pretty similar. It's the same alliance. It is. It's it's a very very solid list. It's it's very hard to fight. You. It's kind of funny, like you know how we talk about there being like like there's the theory where you got to have three threats. And I think at first glance, it looks like your list has the three flat threats of the two Mahood Kings and Suladan, but it's actually the heroes, the half trolls, and the Campbells that are all the th separate threats. <laughs> so it's like you have six threats. It's yeah, it's, it's a crazy good list. It's a crazy good list at at um, I guess tempo. Yeah, I I'll also give it a hero of legend. I think it it is the best possible combo of Herod and Farhat. You have. Suladin, who is, uh, is just easily the most cost-effective hero in the game. You get the shooting from the from Herod, and then yeah, the the camels and the half jewels from Far Herod, and you still manage to maintain a forty model count. So yeah, it's the perfect because what twenty points per uh, per model average is the the optimal amount. Um, I know you and I spoke a bit about. Um, some of the changes you made to it because um, you had more half trolls in the original version um, but because the current meta favors spammy lists a little bit more uh, with some of the new lists um, you yeah you optimized it for that and uh, it looked I mean did really well in the tournament so I I had more camels in the uh, original list not more half trolls but camels oh, okay. are really fragile yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah thank you for correcting no love it hero of legend thank you 
Yeah, same here. Um, same thing as I think what we talked about um, when you brought it to Adepticon. Um, definitely a tournament winning list. Um, unfortunately, you came up with a list that might be slightly OP right now, in my opinion. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, and it was still very close. Well, that, yeah. that's the interesting thing. I think we we're, were talking about beforehand, and I I would have thought you'd have the uh, you would have had the advantage over over the duration of like a longer game. But I mean, I guess you didn't play to conclusion either, and, and then came down to roll off. So yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when the whole battle line is dependent on roll offs, um, it, it, a, a longer game it could have gone either way. So. Um, I think I think he did have a slight edge maybe because he had more might than me. So he he dictated the moving first, um, I would say, more often than than I did. So did he have Rutapi? Yeah. Yeah. And Borgir uh, okay. and then uh, Dragon uh, Knight Dragon as well. Knight. So oh, yeah, no. so he had a lot of might. Yeah. But yeah, uh, th those have been our um, four games that we've chosen to talk about uh, from Clash on the Coast 2022. Uh, it has been fun and uh, definitely a fun tournament that I'm sure we're all going to attend next year. But I would just one other thing. It was really cool meeting people from like like just coming like people coming up and talking to us or like oh you're on the podcast right that was so cool. I don't know if that happened to like, I'm assuming it happened to the Lins because you guys are like pretty recognizable, but I don't know. That was really cool just meeting people who like we don't like, who like we only kind of know through the podcast. That was really neat. I, I had, I brought a friend with me to the tournament and like fully he like, uh, you know, he was like, hey, who do I have to watch out for this tournament? And I was like, oh, like, you know, like that's Charles. <laughs> he, he actually hosts uh, the, the Into the West podcast. He's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah. And he's like, no, like, are, is like the other guys here too? And I pointed them out. So yeah, you guys were you know, celebrity moment there. Felt so famous. Like, hey, look, ma, I made it. <laughs> but yeah, that was really cool. And I think obviously we'll all be there next year. So come say hi. Definitely. Okay, let's move on to our open topic. Uh, which will be playstyles versus points values. So welcome to the open topic of the episode and we'll be discussing playstyles versus points values. So um, specifically, we'll kind of go over what playstyles we find are our strengths and that we excel at and and um, based and based and also just which points values we prefer and and we do better. And so we actually talked about it a little bit um, offline before this recording. And uh, it's, 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 it was really interesting hearing uh, from Richard and Ben about, um, you know, what they they feel like they're, they do better in. So um, feel free to jump in anytime. No worries. Yeah, uh, so Richard and I are, I guess, um, opposites. Uh, Richard, 
I don't think I have ever placed above you at 800 or more points. I've actually never podiumed at an 800 or, or more point tournament. I've come fifth was my best position. So yeah, there you go. Uh, 800 points. I, I always do well, like I'm always top 10, but it, it, I've never podiumed. Uh, when it comes to uh, 600 or less points though, um, I, I, wanna, I don't wanna say always, but I've almost always done better than Richard. Richard's a more consistent player than I am uh, when it comes to podiuming, but yeah. Is that, is that fair? Is that a fair comment? Oh yeah, you, you crush it in lower points. And um, the cherry on top is uh, my first tournament ever coming back into the hobby after 10 years. First game ever. I'm just like, who is this nice gentleman in front of me? And then Charles is like, oh, that's Ben. He's super nice. I'm like, okay, cool. And then you just wipe the floor with me. I think it was like 500 points of Maria um, versus your fiefdoms. It was 350. Yeah. Oh, 350. Even smaller. But yeah, I still think about that game to this day. I'm like, oh, I got owned. I got destroyed. But yeah, <laughs> but even this last year, I think um, you've won, I think, two or three events that are like 600 and under. Yeah, so I played um, four events. Three of them were 500. One of them was 400. Or sorry, two were 500. One was 475 and one was 400. And I, out of the four, I've won two and I've come second in the other two. Yeah, so. and... and uh, you know, before Ian left, he also said that he tends to do a little bit better in lower points as well. I, I guess, like my question to you guys is, do you, what do you think kind of, um, you know, makes this like, you know, difference? Because we all attend a lot of tournaments, so I, I feel like our our placings are, you know, averaging out to like where we're, I guess, we're supposed to, you know. I know there's always going to be variances and whatever, but I think the trend is um, starting to become obvious. That's why we're having this open topic. But why do you guys think, um, or what do you think might make this kind of impact? Yeah, go, go Charles. No, no. I was just thinking that we we decided on this topic because it it was it's this year, 2022, where like events started like coming back where we, we we just have an event almost every month you know or every month and a half uh you know everything opened up and you get to compare like okay i've attended like three tournaments this summer you know um you know i, I tend to do better at you know specific ones whereas before it was like oh i played in three tournaments this year you know like and you don't it's they're farther apart you don't compare them you can't really compare them sometimes so like I really thought about it and I think I think that I'm probably better at higher points um, and I also enjoy it slightly more. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I can't really f pinpoint why, like part of it might be the play style that I do and part of it might be the armies that I choose because we've done episodes previously on armies um, that are that excel at low points and armies that excel at high points. They're two different open topics. Um, feel free to go back and check it out. But um, I think sometimes it is, it, it's the list that you choose and sometimes it's just the way you play. Um, so Richard brought up Ian um, before this, uh, who prefers lower points. 
you know, he's a very like um, he, he, he has a very strong micro game. You know, he, he's really focused on model positioning and, you know, getting the most out of each hero. And, um, you know, he, he's more of a thinker and like slower in making decisions. So maybe maybe that's why like lower model count is stronger for him. But I feel like I'm, I play more a little more sloppy than him. You know, I find myself making mistakes and I, I don't see certain plays. Um, in the move phase, for example, and then I, I let my enemy charge a certain hero when I didn't intend for them to, and I think that's why I think I'm more like less. I'm less confident in lower point, like four or five hundred uh, events, and I prefer bigger, um, bigger armies where a single mistake is less likely to hurt you uh, as much and less likely to cost you the game. It's a good point. Never thought of the like, you know, you only get so many chances, so many mistakes before your the game's over. I never thought of that. But yeah, you're right. You get more grace when there's more models on the board. Um, yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. You no, know, no, you, finish your okay. point. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's fine. That, that was it. Oh, um, yeah. Just to add on to that, I think I'm very similar too, and that's one thing I notice. Maybe not necessarily like mistakes and um, that you can come back from, even though that is part of it. But I think it's more so for me um, what I'm focused on. Um, my positioning is not bad, but yes, I don't think it might not be as like uh, detailed and precise where um, like I lock out every single model that I need to all the time as much as maybe Ben or Ian. Um, I think my brain, um, what it wants to do constantly is I'm constantly re reviewing the battle board and this whole state of the like board and like the objectives. And I'm constantly thinking about how um, I can get there like big picture wise. And um, so I think that is generally, um, it seems like a bigger part of the game at, you know, higher points. Um, but I would also say, yeah, like list building is huge too, because um, I think we've talked a lot on the podcast. I like my shenanigans. I like my crazy like monsters or heroes um, like that carry me through, um, you know, through my um, combats. Like I rarely pick like um, just like strong infantry front line and, you know, march forward and go front line to front line. So um you know, it, it's definitely harder to do that um, at lower points and, and like just alliances too in general. Yeah, whenever uh, Richard says, oh, I'm trying a new list. First game, I always lose. So I, I, like some, it's got some model, like the Watcher or something. I'm like, I don't know how this guy works. And then boof, you get killed. Like, all right, learned a lesson. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the type of models you like, um, you, you love your toys, right? You want, you want the Watcher. You want, um, like with Assault Not Florian, you want all the casters. You want to be able to use all the abilities. And you're right at a big point, so you can take everything. But at a small point, so you have to choose one, maybe two. And, and uh, yeah, the, the, the game changes. Uh, I, I'm not good at multitasking. Like straight up, you ask my wife, I can't multitask at all. Uh, if I'm driving, I'm a terrible, terrible holding a conversation. Uh, whenever, like, I play games against my brother. Like I'm a big Age of Empires player. Uh, I will never be as good as my brother. Like one v one, he will always beat me. 
Um, I've been practicing and I could be a lot of my friends, but he, he could just micromanage and, and run a lot of things at once. Uh, and the same thing with an 800 plus point game. There's so many models on the board. There's so many things to concentrate on. Um, and I, I struggle uh, more than some players, like more than you two. You guys are both uh, able to keep track of everything that's going on. Um, I do really well when there's less models on the board. If there's only like one, maybe two big threats, uh, you know, there's only 20 to 30 models on the board. I have a way easier time following the pace of the game. And uh, um, for me, the goals, you know, usually just much easier, right? It's like um, I played 475 point tournament. You guys both came to that in Seattle. I had 19 models on my list. It was uh, uh, you guys both asked questioned my choice of list because I didn't put Gilgalad on a horse, but it was Gilgalad on foot with shields. Uh, 17 elves, one with banner, six with bows, the rest with shields and spears. And then I had Kyrdan, and it was great because Kyrdan, as soon as I got a, you know, all his auras up, I just had to focus on a shield wall with the elves, uh, thin down the opponent till I got to close combat, and then just kill Glad slowly. Each turn, I was like, okay, Gilglad, this turn, two kills. Next turn, Gilglad, two kills. Oh, we're doing a hero combat, okay, four kills. And eventually my opponents ran out of models uh, before I did, so that was, yeah, that, that seems to work for me. <laughs> yeah, I think at higher points, um, there's more decision making usually. And it's not just because of higher model count, um, but also I feel like you have more utility and more your 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 utility and your threats are more spread out. So at lower points, you you have like a hero that can do multiple things, um, buff your warriors and maybe uh, fight and then maybe march, maybe a little bit of magic. But then at higher points, usually there'll be multiple heroes that do multiple things. And, and I like um, not putting everything into one or two models. And I mean, at higher points, you can play that type of list as well, like Veradur or something like that. But um, I find that generally at higher points, you there, there's more um, things to keep track of, and and um, I, I I I like I like that part, and I feel like it's more it feels more strategic. Although I've I know people who think lower uh, points value is more strategic, so I guess it comes down to the player. But um, I like those macro decisions in in in, in armies. Um, and less of the uh, model positioning and, you know, moving uh, and blocking um, on a small battle line, uh, in, you know, in comparison. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that um, I think the parts, the times that I've heard that lower points is more strategic is like more for list building because you can't take everything and you need to decide like what what you need to bring and some things are going to get left out whereas like higher points you just take everything um but i think play wise um i don't know if you guys agree with me but i think like you said charles that higher points play may be more strategic and then lower points might be more tactical where it awards like tighter play yeah definitely which yeah, I don't know. Like the the game I did against you, right? Um, uh, you had four, what, three or four casters in your assault list, 
and plus you had the warg, plus you had the bats, plus you had the spiders, and I was like, okay, I gotta do this to like ward off this, I gotta do this to ward off this, gotta do this to ward off this, and then you're like, okay, Shroud of Shadows, spider walk through your battle line, sniped Bolg, and I was like, like I just, I, I couldn't keep up with the number of things I had to keep track of, so it was, um, yeah, I think you're, you're right. Um, what would you say to the idea that there are certain lists that work better at higher or lower points? Like, do you think, um, if you were to think of your, like, your guys' play style, would you play the same faction even at a higher or lower points? Or do you guys find you take different factions when you change your points levels? I, I personally noticed that um, I actually recently, whenever I'm thinking lower points, I tend to go um, Legendary Legions and or um, something that I think allows me to get a strong, a strong core bonus um, with a small unit of guys. Um, I think a lot of a lot of bonuses in this game, I feel like don't uh, scale up with numbers. And uh, like one of my lower point go-to lists is Halls of Thranduil. Like that six inch or three inch uh, plus one to wound bubble around Thranduil, that's never gonna scale no matter how many elves you have around, right? So um, once you have that, like, you know, maybe like three elves on each side, you're likely not gonna get any more. So at 800 points, um, personally, I would never go up here Halls of Thranduil. I know it's playable, but to me, that's not min-maxing. But in a 500 or under, um, I would look to that list and say, oh, this could be a top-tier list. Because if most of my, or a good chunk of my elves can get a plus one to wound, that, that is very strong. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's actually... I'm uh, I wasn't even thinking of that example, but the Halls of Thranduil is a perfect example for that. Yeah. How about you, Charles? I don't, I, I don't think I've ever seen you bring Corsairs to an 800-point tournament before. Yeah, so I, I think it's just recently where uh, I, I've been liking armies with larger body counts, uh, larger model counts, so at low points, I like to get that advantage of um, not having to worry about breaking early on and and i tend to lean i think you guys know i tend to lean into more skewed lists so armies that have uh like one or two really uh big strengths and then a clear weakness and i feel like at higher points i can lean into that more you know like assault um assault upon helm's deep i brought to nova you know i, I could at 800 points i could lean into those siege engines like th took three ballista but i wouldn't be able to really make that list work i've played it at 600 with one ballista one bomb and it's just not it's not the same it's it, it doesn't feel like um i could it gives me the room to write the list that i want to play um at lower points, yeah, so at lower points, I tend to um, try to play like an, ar an army that hits hard, but is not super easy to break. That, that's So I don't know what other lists can be like uh, the Corsairs of Umbar, but I really enjoy playing that this year. And if I were to play another low point tournament, I think I would lean into the same type of list. Something that hits hard, but also like has decent numbers. 
which which you just played a a, a tournament with a list like that um your hunter orcs yeah that was uh 100 a uh I, I like playing lists that nobody else plays so you know my aslog's legion i know i'm never gonna play against rarely gonna play against an aslog's legion when i bring it to a tournament um, but yeah aslog's hunters i've never seen them podium before and so i just I built the list literally in one sitting, submitted it, and I was like, let's see how this goes. Uh, and then you and I discussed the list after the tournament, and you had some pretty, I, I think, some pretty valid corrections that would have improved it. But uh, I took the tournament. Uh, I managed to beat uh, Halls of Thranduil. Uh, I beat a Mordor list with the Witch King and Shagrat. Um, I beat a Easterling and Cond Alliance, and then I beat the Easterling Legendary Legion, uh, which I I mean, it was an objective capture scenario, and I had 35 models at 500 points, so I, I definitely had the um, the model count. Uh, but I, I do have to give it to my opponent. Rolled horribly the first three turns of combat. He only rolled like two sixes, and when you have two hunter orcs fighting one guy, if you lose that fight, four dice, like you're taking a taking a wound. Um, so there there was a there was a lot of luck that went into winning in that, that game as well against the Legendary Legion, but it, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's a glass cannon army, which I love glass cannon armies, as I said at the start. Uh, 35 models, the entire army's defense four, three heroes with two wounds, one fate, defense five, fight four, fight five. If, if I start taking wounds, I die, but uh, every model had two attacks and a strength of four, so it's, if I win fights, I kill, so it worked. Big fan of that list. Oh, it was so fun. I've never taken that uh, that faction to a tournament before, and I would again after that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like for myself, I guess if I were to answer my own question, um, yes, I definitely changed lists. I, I don't think I've ever taken Azog's Legion at a low points before. I find it very hard to build a good list when your cheapest hero is 175 points on a warg. And he's only got 15 and then so if you want to get azog he's 215 points so i'm like man like it's, it's i've just i haven't been able to build a list and i'm sure they exist and i'm sure there's some really cool um cool combos you can do for that but uh yeah no i think at the the tournament i came second in was um uh, uh toss i took minas tirith and assault in helms deep uh, you're absolutely right, Charles. Assault in Helm's Deep at 400 points was terrible. I won the game two points to one. <laughs> I got lucky on the last turn. Uh, but Minas Tirith, it was beautiful. Uh, Richard literally was on the receiving end of that list, and it worked very well at low points. Um, but yeah, I, I did that. I did Rivendale at low points. It worked well. I did uh, Hunters at low points. It did well. And the last one was, oh, it was Moria uh, at the Battle for Smog, uh, where Charles I think 12 zeroed me in the final game. So yeah, that was that was a hard lesson to learn. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, it's funny. Coming to think of it, I don't think I've ever taken the same list, the same faction twice uh, in the last two years to a low points tournament. I always change it, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing about low points tournaments, like, right? They're easy to paint up and you can try something different every, every tournament. So I, I, I get the appeal of that. And I would yeah. argue there's probably more viable factions, um, including legendary legions. Um, yeah. You know, like stuff like um, Helm Hammerhand. Um, I know people would probably argue with me, but I just it just doesn't work. 
um, at a certain points level. And, um, you know, I think there's probably a bunch more like that. Like, um, even like the ones that are like, I think, um, semi, I wouldn't say semi competitive, but playable, like, uh, maybe the Mirkwood, um, elves, Mirkwood bows, legendary legion as well. Um, like you're never going to play that at 800. I fully agree. There are, there are a lot of factions that are, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think there are very few factions, I think to your point that scale the other way, right? Like the few would be like the depths of Moria. You're not going to take the depths of Moria to a four or 500 point tournament. You're not going to take the vanquishers or the necromancer to a four or 500 tournament, but it's just, there's just a few niche cases, but you're right. Yeah. They scale. They usually scale up worse than they scale down. Um, yeah. So um, one thing that might be slightly out of the scope of this, but it seems like at least locally, um, our smaller points are usually less games as well, like three or four games max, whereas our 800 points um, tend to go the two day five game um, tournaments. Um, does that play any like part of it where you also you're probably going to be playing more like more of the player pool, you know, the scenario pool versus uh, versus like the uh, smaller point ones. Uh, that's a good point. So yeah, like you're saying, four games versus five games. Um, I think for me, I've noticed uh, you know after four straight games, people start to make a lot of mistakes on the fourth game. Uh, I I do, but I don't. I haven't this this year, especially I haven't been making a lot of mistakes uh, later games. So I think maybe my stamina is just a little bit better than some of the people I played against. Um, I think with two day games. People, um, I don't know, there's always an after party. They go drinking. <laughs> Sometimes people are like, oh, man, so many nice painted armies on day one. I got to go paint. And I've definitely seen people who are like, who show up, bags under their eyes. And I'm like, what did you do last night? And they're like, dude, I, I, I got to bed at four. I woke up like two hours ago. So I think, uh, as silly as it is, but yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, you're right. There are, that, that does come into play. Um, I think, I, I also think that, that having that fifth game, because there's only six pools to choose from, um, you really see the metal of your list the more pools you roll from, right? Because you could have a you could have a list, like a, a perfect example would be that battle for smog. I chose a Moria list, right? Durbers, a cave troll, a shaman, and then just a spam of goblins. Uh, and I like I scored very like I did a 12-0, a 10-0, and like, and then I think a draw or a draw actually was one of my games, but it did very well, all the scenarios. Like a capture objectives. I could beat in Lords of Battle. I could beat in um, like Fog of War. As soon as I matched up against uh, Charles in Contest of Champions, though, uh, Dalmir versus Durvers, it's not a good matchup. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think you you start to see more about what your list's not good at the more pools you draw from. So I think that's a good point as well. Um, if you're if you're like me, where you build super niche lists, they're like this is super like it's super good at this. It's not good at this. Uh, small tournaments are easier because you're less likely to get something bad. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I know that we always go into tournaments like with a pretty competitive mindset, but in a way, smaller tournaments with less games feel a little more casual to me just because you're like, okay, um, I might, it's only three games today, it's only four games today, I might not even play the armies I'm most afraid of. I might not even play one of the top players. You know, I might just pass all of them and um, go for podium. Like you, you, you don't know. Um, for two days, five or six games, it's almost impossible to avoid um, like a top player or one of the armies or one of the scenarios that you're you don't want to play. So uh, I definitely think that one-day tournaments are a feel a little more casual, even though you could still be really competitive and you could still, um, you know, go in to, to try to win. And the better players obviously have a way better chance at winning. But to me, there's just a little bit more of a randomness. That is fair. I still prefer lower points just because, like, it's, it's easy. I mean, yes, on top of the fact that I, I seem to be able to play better <laughs> at them. Uh, I mean, the one-day commitment is easier especially if you're you know crossing the border you're driving um and yeah like you said it's easier to throw together a list and then get it get it ready to go um but yeah you, you are right with the the two-day tournaments i right. think the, the sorry the final thing i'll say that i do prefer about two-day tournaments or at least like five plus game tournaments uh, and this showed up, uh, much to Richard's dismay, at uh, the GT. I actually like that you don't have to win all your games to win the tournament. I like that you can you can ha just have one really bad matchup, right? Maybe maybe you have Galadriel and the opponent has the Balrog and you get Contest of Champions. And maybe you just play really well, you mitigate it, you take a minor loss, you know you're not going to win that game. But you can still win the tournament just because you're a really skilled player. Like if, if you only have four games to play off of, like the, the, every every single four game tournament I've gone to, the person who wins the tournament won all four of their games. But as we proved at the GT, uh, the person who won, uh, won four out of five. So that, I do like that. Sorry, yeah. what were you gonna say? Oh, no, oh, for sure. Like, I think even though um, I think I'm on the other side of the camp that I prefer larger points. I think it would be very interesting to try uh, maybe like a two day GT that is like maybe a five, 600 points. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I believe like the UK does that um, quite often. So yeah, it would be interesting even if it is not my forte. Oh, <laughs> sorry, muted. I have an interesting theory, and uh, I'm not a great tournament organizer because I've organized all of zero, soon to be one, but zero tournaments. Um, what if next year we did one tournament that was a two-day tournament, but it was like four or 500 points? And hear me out. Eight games. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Eight games, seven or eight games. It's easy to fit four in one day. Like we've no problem. It's not a long day with four games at four or five hundred points. But our biggest complaint is that at eight hundred, like the eight hundred point games, you get more games in, so it's more balanced. So what if you actually had the time to fit more than five games in? Would that not, in theory, be the most balanced? I don't know. Group for thought. 
we'll ha we'll have to try it out and uh, and maybe Ben, maybe that'll be your favorite after maybe. That. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? If I win it, then yes. If I lose, <laughs> then uh, back to one place. No, sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no. Well, um, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, very, very, uh, very interesting conversations and discussions and also just talking about our games from a great tournament. Yeah, thank you. This is so fun. I'm super honored to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, it's nice to uh, get some of our strong local players onto our podcast. Um, I also want to shout out um, Max um, for actually hosting Clash on the coast. Um, you know, he, I think he appeared on episode 11 with the Witch King. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of just had a vision, um, you know, hosting a big convention on the West Coast. And yeah, it's amazing. And I, I think like there's already talks about next year being um, 60, 70 players. So yeah, if anyone is interested, even if you're on the East Coast or you want to travel in, um, we'd love to have you on the West Coast of Canada here. But yeah, it was uh, definitely a great event. Yeah, uh, it was the uh, Emerhill episode that he was on. Um, right. He, he has a print uh, 3D printing company and, and he uses that to run the tournament. Um, and uh, yeah, if, if you know Max from his uh, print shop, MTM Printworks, um, that, that's the Max that's hosting this Clash on the Coast. So uh, definitely give it a shot if you can uh, come out this way. It, it'll be great next year. And it was, uh, yeah, first class, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had uh, uh, lots of lots of prizes and even like gift, gift, uh, gift bags of like just, you know, models from his shop. So it was great. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Look forward to the next episode of Into the West podcast. Thank you.